Now, the audience at home will have heard that, and Chris and Jamie won't, um, which is exciting. Because I think it was last year, quite a while ago, we said that we were going to make some cheeky little stings for the uh, podcast. And I put the sting on just as we went live. Uh, Because it felt exciting, guys. Because um, we've never gone live before. So I thought, why the hell not? Uh, Hello, and welcome to the Super Show podcast. I am Alex Jones. Today, Chris and Jamie are joining me. And people watching this, if anyone is indeed watching this, probably be a little bit surprised because for the first time in a very long time, um, I convinced you both that we should do this live because why the hell not? So we are joining everybody live on the uh, on the internet. It's what nearly ten o'clock in the UK at the moment. Um, yeah. So there you go. And we've we've already got some comments from people saying hello. Wow, look, it's live. So there you go. Hopefully everything is not completely messed up. Um, do we? I don't. I don't see any comments. Don't you know? You're You're not, that's man. not for you to check. I will let you know if we need to, if you need to be made aware of anything. Benji is master and commander for this evening. I will. Oh, I should. Nice. Um, I should actually have checked and made sure that like all of the uh, levels and I should have like taken a note of levels so next time we can get everything. Um, ah, you know what, Jonesy? You're doing it your way, man, and and that's like mighty admirable. And I just hope that my audio levels are high enough that people could have heard me say that. So yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I should start off, though, as we always do, to say that we are a podcast. We are on YouTube as a podcast. We are also available on podcasting platforms. I'm talking Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. We're also on paisleyradio.com, Thursdays at 10 p.m., repeated on Mondays. So there are lots of different ways that you can get your weekly dose of video game news, hot takes, and trash opinions. Well, I guess technically, doesn't this mean that there's now one more thing to add to that list? Which is that if this becomes a thing, like if we stick to this, you can also now watch it live on YouTube on Sunday evenings, depending on whether I, or not that's yeah. when we do it. I think, I think two things that are going to kind of dictate that, how we feel about it and how the audience feels about it. So, <laughs> exactly. um, yeah. Oh, God. Give us that, all the encouragement yeah. that you've got, I guess. Um, is this going to be on as a VOD, Jonesy? It will, it will of channel. course, be on as a VOD, and it will get uploaded uh, probably still on Mondays on, onto podcasting platforms, because one thing we used to do was the video used to go up and the podcasting platforms, the audio side used to go up at the same time. Obviously, we can't do that um, as we're doing this, but we recorded this every week together. We record everything, then put it together in post and then published it to YouTube. So I said, why the hell don't we do this mother live and we can actually just crack on and Hopefully, if we get some comments by the end of the show, and if we've got time, we um, we might have a, a ping over to the comment section, see what people are saying, um, and see how everyone is doing. Because mm. uh, why the hell not? If we've got, if we've got the capability, boys, why wouldn't we do it? That is my. Question. When in Rome, do as the Romans do, and the Romans loved checking comments on live streams. Um, <laughs> they ab- they absolutely did. Okay, so um, one thing I'm gonna I'm gonna this is what happens when you do it live. I'm gonna have to check with you boys. Do you want to do a, a story now? Should we drop a cheeky story before Patreons, or should we hop straight into that? Um, Ooh. I, I think it might be nice to bring one before the fold and kind of let the uh, the podcast side of this whole new updated package kind of you know hit do, home. Uh, let's do it. Let's bloody do it. Okay, um, I boys would like to talk about the fact that a game I love and have loved for years, Counter-Strike, sat maybe getting a cheeky sequel and it might be announced as soon as this month. That is, of course, is a lie. I've never played Counter-Strike. I've never played CSGO. I was going to say, a that. game you love. <laughs> this is the biggest secret you've ever kept from us. This is like the, 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 the 
Yeah, it's one. It's one of those things. Like, it's the biggest. It's probably the biggest game in the world, like CS:GO. Yet I've never played it, and I don't know anything about it, and I'm never going to. And I do feel like I'm missing out to some degree. Yeah, yeah I, I, biggest game in the world. I mean, well, uh, it, 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 uh, well one of the biggest esports for sure. It's it's also one of those things where, and, and again, this you know, but you know, but you know, it's Valve, so of course it's all self-contained, and you know that they can. But every time uh, we get like a Cyberpunk or a Hogwarts Legacy-style situation, and we're talking about like, look at all these concurrent players, and look at all these peak numbers on Steam. CS:GO is always right up there for some reason, and it seems to fluctuate where it will just get massive boosts in popularity that are obviously timed to things that are going on in that community or with that game, but. As people who don't play it, it's just like, oh, weird. Millions of people still play CSGO, and I guess more power to them. I want I, This Christ. might be the thing that moves the needle. Do you, do you want to know? Last 30 days? Go on, then. 821,000 average players with a peak of 1.4 million. I mean, yeah, that's, like, a healthy, that's a healthy game right there. That's insanely healthy. But... <laughs> So um, uh, let me just tell yeah. you where this story is coming from. The reason we've got this little insight that the uh, announcement might be being made very soon is that Richard Lewis, a journalist uh, who's got a long record when it comes to breaking Counter-Strike related news stories. Um, Dickie L. Yeah, he uh, broke the news of Max match fixing back in 2015. Um, he said... The new version is almost certainly set to be released under the working title Counter-Strike 2 and the tentative release date for the beta is in the month of March with April the 1st um, at the outside. The only thing is, that is April Fool's Day. Do we think that um, uh, the old Dickie Lewis <laughs> is being cheeky here and he's dropping an early April Fool's? Um, I mean, no, I'd, 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 I'd have respect for that. Especially, I don't know anything about Dickie L, although as much as I love that nickname now that Chris has, uh, <laughs> has blessed him with it. Um, but if he does have a long record of breaking stories, this is one of those things where you think to yourself, what a, like, what a, big, what a massive and unusual way to sort of like lose all your credibility within a certain scene if he does have some. Um, yeah. It's just yeah. me taking the source at face value. The other thing I like about this leak is that when you're talking about the month of March, and the date of April 1st, we are already in the month of March, and the date of April 1st is like less than three weeks away. So I do love a a big rumor, a big, you know, confirmed rumor. Or is that what we, is that what we call them? <laughs> yeah, confirmed, yeah. yeah, confirmed rumors. For a second there, I was like, what do we call, what's the, what's the thing we say? Um, <laughs> I do love one of those that's got such a tight time scale on it, because there are so many of these clowns on Twitter that will be like, yeah, so it turns out they're going to do a ground-up remake of Final Fantasy IX, and it's going to come out in the next 72 years. <laughs> Watch out, folks. Whereas now Richard's like, yeah, if this doesn't happen in the next three weeks, you'll know I'm a liar, which I appreciate. That, yeah, that, 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 that takes some balls for sure. So that suggests that it's been being made for a long time and that they just haven't announced it and that they're going to announce it and then release it. Well, that quickly. They, so, well, no, so they... See, this is the weird, annoying thing about this, because I think what Dickie L is doing here is he's trying to formulate an L by just taking educated guesses. So uh, I believe that Valve have come out before and said that they are looking to port uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive to their new engine, Source 2. Okay, they did it with Dota 2. So Dota 2 did go from Source 1 to Source 2. Um, But it was the same game. They didn't say like, oh, it's Dota 3, just because we changed the engine. So I, I don't think it's going to be called Counter-Strike 2. I mean, they might they might call it like 2.0, which will follow the kind of the naming convention of Counter-Strike 1.6, which is like fucking legendary. Um, but you've got to remember one thing. They can't out and out create a sequel, right? 
because so much of what Counter-Strike is to casual players is the economy behind it. Knives, skins, yep. guns, yep. all that bullshit. Um, and unless you've got a like-for-like like representation of taking what people own and port it to a new platform, which seems like a hell of a lot of work, rather than just saying, yeah, it's just an engine swap. Yeah. yeah. But, Chris, do you know what would make that whole process so much easier? Is if Valve mm. had just seen the future and made all those gloves and all those knives and all those skins NFTs... NFTs! Then they would, you, know, you could take them to any game. You could, you know, <laughs> wear a pair of gloves in Counter-Strike in one moment and then you're wearing it in Ghost Recon Breakpoint in the next. This is the future, people. Well, and only Dr. Disrespect can fucking see it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's so funny, isn't it? Because when we had all these talks about NFTs, like... I was the one who was just like super confused saying like, isn't it just this just fucking what Steam does with CSGO except in a much, much better way? <laughs> like, right. Like, yeah. Cause it's all, it's all on, it's all on server side. It, it's on, it's on Gabe's uh, personal computer that it's all working off of, not on some fucking rando's basement mother's PC. That's a, oh, it's the blockchain. I love oh, the idea that the entirety, decentralized. the entirety of the Steam marketplace is on Gabe's personal computer and he's just sat there watching the lights blink and he's like, yes, everything's gone yeah. from my piece. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and the more the numbers go up, the, the harder an erection he gets. Come on, it's obvious. <laughs> can, we, can we sort of rewind a second to Jonesy's Gabe Newell impression? Uh, it's not as good as yours, mate. Do, 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 no, do it again, though. Because no, appara no. apparently, like according to Jonesy's impression, not only has Gabe had a stroke since we last heard from him, he's also <laughs> begun the process of melting slowly. Just one, just give us a few words, Jonesy. That, no, that was one of the treats of watching us live say, say, in our new no, format. Say, say, that, uh, say, take a look at my enormous knife collection. Definitely not. Do it, please. No, okay, no I refuse. I Basically, refuse. it sounded like Jabba the Hutt. Wow. <laughs> Which, I mean, Gabe, Jabba... On his boat, sometimes out there in the uh, Atlantic Ocean or Pacific. I guess it depends on how often he visits the buffet. <laughs> right, that's, that's true. Yeah. That is true. But um, hey, look, Lewis's claims are backed up somewhat by um, Nvidia drivers that have introduced support for two new unknown apps recently uh, that were titled CSGOES2.exe and CS2.exe. Which, um, yeah, I mean, those aren't very well hidden, like working titles or like, <laughs> uh, no, yeah. are they? That's a kind like, of a giveaway. And I guess yeah. to your point, Chris, maybe the first one kind of backs you up where if it's CSGO S2, that just sounds like CSGO Source 2, which is yeah, like, yeah, hey, totally. yeah, yeah. Look, um, I, I think they could, they could stand a rebrand. So with Dota, with Dota 2, when they were on Source 1, it was fine. Then when they moved over to Source Engine 2, they just called it, like, they had a massive update. They, they changed the... Um, the version number to a full complete number and they called it reborn Dota 2 reborn and that was like um, right. like rather than releasing a sequel to a game it was like no this is the biggest update we've ever had you know and it, they crammed like shitloads of stuff like balance changes um characters etc so like it, it's entirely possible um another thing that they said they're going to do is they're currently on 64 um 64 tick servers when they should be on 128 because the rest the rest of competitive players on 128, but apparently they're working on something that's even better than uh, 128 ticked servers. So, who knows? Mm. I've heard rumor of tickless servers. If that rings any bells and sparks any curiosity in any of you. But what, um, what happens no, if you want to give maybe, someone a tick? What if you want to give someone yeah, a tick for a job well done? That is the, no ticks that is the, 
That's the most uh, Alex Jones response we've ever had on the show so far. So good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tick. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck a tickless server is. Like, what are you talking about? So just kind of like it, like as you're playing the game, it checks your position and how often it checks your position and so everyone else's and is it and kind of like all the refunds and all that shit. Right. Yeah. In a way, layman's terms, from what I understand, at least. And hey, my understanding is uh, like infinitesimally higher than clearly what your guys' understanding of oh, it is. But it's it can't be any lower than my understanding. <laughs> oh yeah. Like if I if I worked at Valve and tickler service came up, I would roll my desk as far away from that as possible. <laughs> I'd rather work on a new Dota hero than than contribute wow. to the tickler service. Wow. Well, there was a new Dota hero uh, introduced last week, so uh, yeah, there you go. Well, that's was that's, it, you, Jamie. No, but that's one of the reasons I um uh, actually this is going to be interesting because it kind of this taps into a bunch of stuff that we are talking about and uh, will be talking about. But um, I was listening to the Jeff Gerstman show, which is still a bizarre standalone podcast from the former Gamespot and Giant Bomb uh, journalist, and he was talking about uh, Val. I think he was talking about this story specifically, um, and yeah. it kind of came into a conversation because he, hey, he does that show live as well, so he sometimes read comments and talking about like the whole Valve don't make games kind of idea. And they were yeah. joking about Brad Meir, who he knows because he was a friend of Giant Bomb and he used to go on that show quite a lot. But you guys yeah. will know because you've both watched at least the first half of episodes of Psychodacy, so we'll know him um, from that. Uh, Josie, he was the dude with the glasses who was the leader of Rhombus of Ruin uh, for like the first few episodes and then okay. leaves uh, to go to go to Valve. And uh, the people in chat were joking about how Brad Meir like, left... Uh, Double Fine went to Valve and hasn't made anything and Jeff was like no he just worked on the latest Dota hero so there you go oh, Brad right. Mir okay, was yeah. a part of that team in some uh, shape or form Chris okay that's interesting he rolled He rolled his desk over <laughs> yeah. he's just pushing push that desk hand. over to get away from the tickless conversation and look what he's what like. a wild Mate, fucking time okay. do, you, do you ever think there's a situation where like someone doesn't want to be part of a team anymore, so they roll their desk away, but then the others really want him to stay, so they just, like, follow him, like a pack of desks. <laughs> and I, I like to imagine that anyone who works at Valve HQ, just no one walks. They're just, they're, like, stuck in their desks like crabs, and mm. wherever they got to go, they got to, like, scuttle along with their whole, like, PC and everything. Like, Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a nice image, you know? And people make walls of desks to actually stop people getting to other teams. So, actually, th there's actually a group of writers that are actually uh, entrapped in a circle of desks, can't go anywhere, which is why no new narrative-driven games can be made at the moment. Um, it's a real problem. <laughs> they're, and and they're, all, they're, all too, they're all too introverts to say, like, could you just move your fucking desk, please? I'm, I'm, I need to, like, go and eat something before I die. So, actually, in the middle, it's all the, it's all the writers, but they're just skeletons because they're all dead. Yeah. Eric, Eric Walpart, that's the only name I can remember at the moment. It's just a skeleton, just... Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, yeah. I think this is a great place to talk about some awesome individuals um, as we've oh. uh, reached the end of that. Although, I'm going to say... Do you know what? I've realised my first fuck-up that I've done uh, Ooh, as, a, as a live podcast. He, he didn't hit the go-live button. Oh, no, no. I, been, I definitely hit the go-live button. Hitting ourselves. What I didn't do was... Um, <laughs> was make sure that I copy the audio outputs into the other scenes that I created to show the Patreons on screen as I read them out. So when I switch over, we will be silent. However, I reckon I can do this on the fly, like a pretty cool guy. Ooh. Oh, um, pre prepare your anuses, because shit's about to break. <laughs> so hang on a second. In, so in OBS, you're looking <laughs> so at a gonna... scene that's just a, like, just a JPEG, basically, and you're going to lie... 
Oh, okay. No, I, I, I can't look at. A, I don't think I can look at a scene in OBS without making that scene the live scene. And when I click on that scene to add something to it, it's going to cut our audio because our, I didn't on, place I, the imports in. Okay, hold on. I, I actually have OBS on here, so if I click on, yeah, it will. If you click on a scene, it will there, change there, it over. But you know what you could do? You know what you could do? Because I've it, copied, it's just I've a copied still image. my audio, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into the scene, paste my audio super fast, and almost seamlessly, the audience will not know anything shit happened because they'll think that's, that I had already set it up. Uh, that's a, it it's a, it's a bold move, Cotton. That's a, the only thing yeah, I have realized is no one's going to be able to hear you fellas for the, for um, while well, I do the patrons. But I mean, we don't talk during it anyway. Yeah, we've got to be quiet anyway. It's fine. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. Let's see if we can do this. Everyone in the uh, who's currently watching, um, in live or in the future, cross your fingers with me. Um, okay, here we go. Oh my God. Okay. Ah! No, it worked. It totally worked. This is wicked. Okay, so um, I would like to say thank you to some of our amazing patrons. You can see some on screen um, right now. Jamie and Chris have just realized that I can still hear them. No, it hasn't. It's just copied mine. Um, but I would like to say thank you to the patrons because they are fantastic individuals who support us. You may well be joining us live or later on, um, but I would like to give a shout out and read out some names right now. They are Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brimstone, Cole Kay, Davnat Coburn, Ice Nork Rock Salt, Jesper Camden Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Pastors Guild, and I have to mention the big dogs as well, the members of the board. I'm talking Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Reed, Manuel Guerrero, and Pease Wad. Um, thank you so much to everybody. Uh, for supporting us. Jamie and Chris are now back on the stream so you can see them and hear them again. Um, the little pauses as you had to do it like card by card, I'm imagining. I love it. I love it. It's so good. Uh, no, yeah, you're it's 100%. So it was, like you yeah. said, it was card by card. I had to pause, paste, make sure it was there and then start talking. That's fucking beautiful. Oh, uh, it's so, that's, oh, that's mm, chef's kiss. But you know, Josie, you, you, you fucking did it, man. You, you didn't break the internet. Uh, from what yeah. I understand, YouTube's still on. People can still watch videos. We are still live, so you fucking nailed it, mate. Well done. Cl you made it further than yeah than I thought we would. Like I thought something would have gone horribly, horribly wrong by now. Thank you. Uh, Classy Cat called it as well. Said there were some slight pauses, but all good in the chat. Yes, they noticed that. <laughs> but I was but I was pasting my uh, audio source before I could talk, so that's why you couldn't hear me until I did that. But no, Love thank it. you to all of our patrons. Uh, thank you so much for supporting us week on week for keeping the lights on. You are all fantastic. Mm, also, thank you to everyone who watches the show, who downloads the show, who gets in any of the mediums we put out there, uh, likes any of the comments. Thank you. Do you know what? And a special shout out to um, everyone in chat right now who's joining us uh, live. And perfect timing. Just a guy has said, the hell is this live? Live? It is live. And you join just as we're doing a shout out. So I, I'm actually going to mention some of the names of people in chat. I'm not going to do this every week, but I'm going to do this now because this is, you know, one, one of the ones. Special occasions. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So shout out to 69DJ, to Magni, to uh, Prima Technology. Shout out to Classy Cat, Neil D, Peter Wilson, um, and Ryan Green and Just a Guy, of course, as I said. So thank you, everybody, for joining us on this live stream. Um, if it goes well and if I don't break everything too bad, hopefully we'll be doing uh, more of these in the future. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That having been said, because I have been almost dead for a couple of weeks, I've missed out on what you guys have been up to. I, of course, watched the podcast last week. Um, fast forwarded to nice. the Elden Ring stuff. 
of course. Um, no, I of course yes, you did. Oh, Jody, I was recording you that podcast, bastard. and I still did that just mentally because <laughs> of fast forwarding. <laughs> Two times, you speed. bastards! It's like you know when you just tune everything out, and every thirty seconds you're like, "Is Chris still talking?" Yes. Okay. Wow. It's like a, wow. I did a bit of programming. If state, if Chris is talking about Elden Ring, then ignore everything. <laughs> uh, wow. Why? Why do I come on the show? And in fact, didn't I say, Jamie, that I, I wasn't going to get on the show again until you played Elden Ring? So did you play Elden Ring? Not only did I not play Elden Ring, Chris, I kept up my favourite pastime of all, which is beginning to play games that couldn't be further from Elden Ring just to annoy you. In fact, continue to play games that like aren't even psychonauts. I'm not even... I, I, I don't know what to say. I've let you well, down, basically. I, it's, it's not that. It's, you've let yourself down. And more than that, I've come to a, a stark realisation that, uh, that you are no friend of mine. Oh. All right? Brutal. I mean, I'm no, just amazed. No friend of mine would do this to me. So, uh, yeah, it has taken me a long time. But you know, I mean, live and learn. But then I'm just building it up. It's like it's like a you know how sometimes teasing so like giving someone blue balls can be seen as a good thing because when they do, it's come, like edging. Gonna, you, oh, you, talk, you edging yourself. I'm 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 edging you so that when I do finally talk about Elden Ring, your cum is gonna hit the fucking ceiling. You're gonna have like a mop and you're gonna be scraping. Mm. Like, uh, was it scary I'm, movie? Is it a scary yeah. movie where, he, where she bla- he blasts her into the ceiling? She just gets stuck there. Do you, do you reckon if you don't clean that, you, you, you make cum stalactites? Oh, I think it's very possible. Yeah, I think Can you get J- Jamie, listen, listen, hold on a second. Here we go. Two I'm things, out of focus. Jamie's, Jamie's, of focus. Jamie's jizzed on his cameras and he's now yeah. he's made it all blown. <laughs> it's, it's disgusting, Jamie. It's, it's like uh, that a game on the old ITO and PS2 when, you, when I'm cleaning windows, except you're wiping cum off a webcam. Wow. Um, okay. Well, first off, can you please just fucking sort your webcam out? Like, and, 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 and not only that, your fucking headphones are the the leakiest headphones that there's. So anytime that I get the audio source from you guys and I'm I'm editing the podcast, I have to fucking put noise gates, fucking okay. filters, all of this shit because all I can hear is everyone else coming out of your Here headphones. We Here we go, Jonesy. We figured out what, what, what's really going on at the heart of this issue. Chris has gotten bored of fat shaming. He's put that to one side. We're tech shaming now. Oh, look at this poor man with his cheap headphones and his cheap webcam. Oh, why can't he for... Look, I'm doing what I can. I'm here. I'm here every week. We go live. I talk about video games. I, I contribute, okay? Yes, I'm not in focus all the time when I do it, but I'm trying my darndest. You are, Jamie. Um, also, we've got to remember that Jamie is the only one of us who actually works within the gaming industry. So it is the fault of them that he can't afford a better webcam and better headphones. So You know what? They, they, sent, no, they, they sent me a, a webcam and headphones, and I just couldn't be bothered to switch them out for mine. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is wow, that's, that's another level. That's, that, yeah, that's next level. I, like, did exper- I did experiment with their webcam, and there was this weird thing where the... Um, the field of view was messed up and it was like I was zoomed three times further into my face and I couldn't fix it in time for a meeting. So I just went back to my old webcam and then that was uh, a year ago. And yeah, I would love to see how the flustered Jamie got yeah. on a webcam on a call, like when he just started a, a gaming company and it's just like this close to his face. Oh yeah. Plus because, you know, it being me, man, I, I woke up probably four minutes before the call started and went, oh no. And then... Like, yeah, sitting at my desk in my underwear. Oh, like, my God. I love well, that. Um, we need to move on to the catch-up to actually find out what you guys have been watching slash playing slash doing for the last couple of weeks. But I uh, I actually just want to mention, because someone in the Ooh. comments has actually asked a question. Just a guy said, 
Um, and we're not, like I said, we're not going to do this all the way through, but it is pertinent because we were talking about Elden Ring. Uh, just a guy said, is Elden Ring really as difficult as the Souls games? That's what's been keeping me away. I feel like I'm quite well placed to answer this because I have been playing Elden Ring um, and I'm not a Soulsborne player because I get so put off by those games and how hard they are. Like I'm, I am not a grinder. Someone wants to stay there and just keep like doing the same thing. I found it like easily the most accessible of any uh, FromSoft game. Because if you don't want to do like one route or you don't want to face one boss, you can turn around, go a different direction, do something totally different. And it's so open. There's so much going on that you can you can sort of, it feels like you can play at your own pace where I never felt that before with yeah. um, any like Dark Souls, Demon Souls, anything like that. So um, yeah, I would say it's it not easiest isn't, isn't the way to say it maybe, but it's the most accessible, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I think I think Souls games have always had kind of like a an unofficial easy mode, which would be like certain games like, yeah, just use flame spells or other games would just be like, yeah, just any kind of magic. And that rings true as well for Elden Ring. Like magic is kind of OP um, in the game. But yeah, to what you said, Jonesy, like more so than any of the other games because of its open world nature, it's just you just get on your horse and you go somewhere else. Um, and I, I think I mentioned it like maybe it was like two weeks, well, two podcast episodes ago where... Like I, I'm at level ninety, I think, some somewhere around there, and I haven't um, at no point in that run through. I haven't finished the game yet because it's just like like I said last week, it's trickle gaming at this point. Um, but at no point in my current playthrough did I have to um, have to grind or farm up. Like that was just purely just playing the game, getting stuck in places, sure, and maybe that is a form of farming. And, and grinding in a way but like there was no concerted effort for me to say like right i'm under leveled i need to go and just do this activity over and over again for two hours just so i can get to a better level maybe i need to now <laughs> I don't, i'm not entirely sure but yeah it's it's definitely the most accessible um and yeah i, th- I think just just try it like i think there's a reason that it sold 20 million copies because it is a good game it People are talking about it word of mouth because, yeah, fucking guess what? It is more accessible to people. People can get a lot more out of it than, like, say, a normal Dark Souls where they just get into it and they're like, yeah, th- this guy fucking chumped me and there's nowhere else for me to go. So fuck it. It just won another Game of the Year award last night at the time of, I was going to say time of recording, the time of streaming, I guess. <laughs> at the, yes. at the uh, streamer awards. Which oh, yeah. was the thing that I, I kind of I'm not really sure if that's gonna like, like I guess it's not it's not a weird thing but it just kind of reminds me of like the early days of the game awards where it like it's one very enthusiastic individual in our case Keeley um, just being like nah do you know what this this shit should have a, its own Oscars yeah. isn't it QT Cinderella for yeah it's the QT streamers? Cinderella and then she hosted it with Valkyrie um, yeah yeah oh wasn't QT Cinderella it, one of the ones who was involved in that recent Deep fakes, uh, yeah. Deep fakes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she was. She's the. Yeah. She's the girlfriend of uh, Ludwig. Ludwig, yes, right? Ludwigus, yes. Ludwigus. Yeah. Mogul moves. <laughs> he was. He was on. I think he was interviewing people on the red carpet when I did uh, briefly tune in. Him and Hassan were both um, 
how that's so weird. Hassan being a stream and, and, um, Sweet so Anita, that girl with the, the girl with Tourette's. Yeah. Oh, I love Sweet Anita, yeah. man. She's so funny. She's All right, calm down. Calm down. Calm down. We're, we're alive, Alex Jones. We can't edit this out, okay? Just get no, to... I do. I like She's, 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 she's oh genuinely like it. No, but Hassan, Hassan, I used to watch TYT like all the time back in the day. I know. The Young Turks. <laughs> and Hassan Piker was on that as he's Jenk Yuga's nephew. And so he used to mm. be on there, but he was always like the the commentator. He was always like a bit of a jock, like a Chad kind of guy who used to yeah. never like he had he knew stuff but he would never knew as much as the other co- and it was always a little bit like why is this dude let his nephew on this new show but he was fine like he he came, he came okay on the show but then when suddenly one day he was this epic streamer and i was like that looks like the dude used to be on tyt and sure enough it was the dude who used to be on tyt yeah but anyway, yeah, he seems to be doing well for himself. He was a well, nominee well. for Streamer of the Year. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't. I didn't realize he was like that big. But no, that's cool, man. Yeah, fair, fair play to him. Yeah. Anyway, Absolutely. let's get back to what you boys have been doing. Uh, not these airy fairy streamers who barely work for a living, <laughs> just going live on YouTube. What's that all about? Yeah. Um, oh. Right. Let's start with. Oh. I'll tell you what, Jamie. Let's start with you because I think Chris and I are going to match up a little bit yeah sure i mean it's sort of relatively timely as well on mine because obviously the capcom spotlight presentation took place this last week and whilst they were pretty upfront about the fact that uh no new games were going to be announced during that live stream and indeed no new games were announced so it didn't end up being a big deal you know in terms of delivering headlines uh one of the more notable things was that the resident evil 4 is it called like the Chainsaw Demo? I don't know. The demo yeah. for Resident Evil 4. Or, or Chainsaw uh, Man Demo, whatever, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, that dropped uh, at the end of the presentation, even if it kind of had been leaked before because a trailer for it with the uh, the uh, end slate, the demo is available now, started running on Twitch like the day before the, the presentation. So people were prepared, uh, but it's dropped and I played it. It's not that long. Um it's it's uh, the very very opening of Resident Evil Four, which uh, you know it's the same in the remake as it was in the original. Leon arrives in this unusual town um, and with some uh, uh, less than welcoming uh, natives, locals, um, gets into a bit of a, an argy bargy with some of them and ends up in a small sort of like village location where a crazy man with a chainsaw comes out, tries to kill him amongst everyone else, still trying to kill him until a bell rings and they all walk off and he asks if they're all going to bingo. Um, and uh, which all takes place in about 15 minutes um, in the course of this demo and I thought it was solid like um, like it, it, we talked about this the other week I think right it was I think it was you and me Chris about how yeah. like there, there isn't a huge amount to be concerned with here when it comes to the uh, you know the the, the the track record, I guess, for want of a better way of putting it, of Capcom's internal teams when it comes to remaking their own properties, and certainly Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 remakes were very well received for the most part, with the exception around some questions around 3 and cut content, I guess. But 4 seems to be heading very much in the right direction. It It's a little bit more action-oriented, um, which makes sense because Resident Evil 4 obviously was compared to 2 and 3 especially. And so there are some changes that make a little bit more sense in that department. Like um, there's like a parry now where you can sort of, if you time it perfectly, you can essentially deflect certain moves. Um, a lot of which uses your knife, which still has durability, which is going to be interesting, but I'm not totally against that. Um, there's a, there's some other changes like just little things how you know your knife rather than being a thing that you have to equip and then aim and then slash if you just tap uh, the right trigger uh, Leon will just sort of slash in front of him so there are certain changes well, like, wildly been... like yeah kind like kind of he doesn't cover his eyes like that but <laughs> I, I think he should 
maybe he should. That would be funny. It was, yeah, like, it was like, like bring realism back to games, right? Cover the eyes. That more sounds like a MacGruber technique. Like that's the way MacGruber would uh, would flail the knife and then and then take his arm away and open his eyes and he's killed everyone in the room somehow. Um, uh, um, MacGruber felt good. Um, like it felt it felt appropriately tense and sort of um, I don't know, like. Uh, Unusual, I guess, otherworldly. There's something about Resident Evil 4's tone and Resident Evil 4's atmosphere that, to me, isn't as scary as other recent Resident Evils. I don't know if that's because you know the villagers and the kind of the the kind of the, their disease nature. Is it Las Plagas? I forget. Um, Las Plagas. It, it, it's just not as inherently scary as outright zombies to me and the T virus. I don't know why. And also because anyone who knows Resident Evil 4, especially as you know, later characters are revealed and some of those conversations start to happen, the tone is. It is borderline comedic at times. I mean, we joked about the bingo line already, but that is the that is the tone throughout in the dialogue, in the way these characters converse. You know, the yeah. one-liners are some of the stupidest <laughs> shit um, you'll ever hear, and I hope some of that is maintained. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Um, Did, like like I, with the with the with the movements and everything. What I remember seeing from the that concerned me from some of the trailers, which like seemingly some some snappiness. To some of the animations, like almost like, oh, it, you're in the wrong place, so you got to snap into the right place to continue yeah. this movement. Did do you feel any of that? I don't know if that's just because I'm sort of like potentially used to it. Because um, you know, for as much as Resident Evil still scares the pants off me, I've played more recent Resident Evil games than not um, in terms of you know the sort of the mm. release uh, pattern they've been on. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if, yeah, I'm just kind of blind to that stuff. I didn't notice anything jarring, though. Um, yeah, I'm sure okay. there's definitely a bit of that, especially because obviously it's still got the kind of mechanic where you can uh, shoot someone either like in the knee or sometimes even just in the head in such a way where they can get in a kind of vulnerable state and you can close the distance. They get a little arrow above their head and you can do a roundhouse kick and um, that's good at sort of uh, not just ammo preservation but also sometimes clearing large groups of enemies because that roundhouse kick can hit anyone who gets in its way. Um and there's sometimes a feeling of like, okay, I'm being kind of snapped into position to make sure I can get this animation off. But it's yeah, like it was it was nothing uh, troublesome. I, I yeah. felt yeah, and you know, the, it's like this thing that um, it's it, most people are going to be totally fine with what Resident Evil Four is putting down, and that you know, it, it's far it, in some ways quite quite far from being one to one in terms of its environments. Like anyone super familiar with the the first house. The Leon go the first time you sort of properly get control of Leon and um like that opening encounter feels very different in this. But everything has been expanded upon or changed for a reason that feels like it kind of makes sense. So mm-hmm. um yeah, I, I could see this going down very well when reviews drop probably sometime in the next week. Um I think this will be a as well received as Resi two and three were. Wait, the exception being that it's just a much bigger, much longer uh, much more, much more different game. Much more action oriented, which yeah. I like. When when's the release? Whoa, twenty first. I, I don't know. Is it when? So soon? Yeah, this it's month. soon. Yeah. I think I want to say the twenty first, but I might be wrong. It could be the seventeenth. I can't remember. Where's um, the um? Where's the inflection point? Where twenty fourth? Where Resi yeah. goes from being good games that deserve remakes to being shit games that they should by no means remake. Because they're terrible. Probably, probably Resi Five. Not not that it's a bad game, but just that they shouldn't remake it. Probably, yeah, maybe. They, I think I don't they've know. reached the point where, like, you. I don't think you go any more modern than Resident Evil Four. Like, some people were pretty adamant that Resident Evil Four didn't need a remake. 
I think they'll justify this get one's existence, but yeah. I think, well, I, I th- I think like code, a Code Veronica would be on the cards, but other, I think that's yeah. probably where you stop it, right? Yeah, I don't know anything about Code Veronica, but I know people mention it now. I don't know if they're mentioning it because they want it or if it's because the last place that this series can logically go in terms of these remakes that have had a, like a pretty consistent release schedule now yeah, for a handful I, of years. But uh, I, th- I think it's both for for the fan base. But yeah, you know, and then and then as we joked before, like you get onto the the Dino crises and yes, blah, blah, right, blah, yeah, blah, blah, we, blah. yeah. We, What's interesting, though, is, I mean, they've got totally got the option that if they wanted, they could keep making the remakes, but actually go off on a tangent and try and sort of fix what was broken in the past, um, which is, uh, I suppose, if they if they still sell well and if they're still doing well, do you reckon there's any chance they do that? Or do you think that they just say, we're done with these uh, this kind of... I mean, I, I, it's going to sound really weird, but I can see them going back to Resident Evil 1. Oh, as, interesting. As, as like a reimagining because the the HD remaster that they had of Resi 1 was unless I'm mistaken it was like a pretty faithful one-to-one kind of thing yeah. um, you know it, it wasn't like Resident Evil 2 remake was the one where they said oh okay we can kind of like rejig things and, and we can make it its its own kind of experience yeah. um, and I can see them maybe going back to Resi 1 as like a, a completely fresh reimagining of the series. Yeah, potentially. I think it'd be interesting to see how they expand on Resi 1, right? And how they expand on those environments and kind of, but like make it feel like a more living, breathing place that deserves to be explored. Like, I don't know, there's like a claustrophobic element in my mind to Resident Evil 1 that feels weird when I imagine like a behind the, but over the shoulder third person perspective. <laughs> but it makes more sense than. Like you're talking about, like Jonesy, like I mean, you didn't say as much, but I'm guessing you're talking about like potentially, quote unquote, fixing some things that didn't people didn't like about Resident Evil Five or Six. But I think in those cases, like that's 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 not a remake at that point. Um, because, no, it's not. It's, it's a totally uh, yeah. new thing. Yeah. Because those games, I think, like in some respects, were sort of like fundamentally opposed <laughs> to what people wanted. I've, that I've just realised what Jonesy what Jonesy's suggested. Yeah. What? Like, go on. <laughs> Resident Evil Nine. I mean, yeah, they, they, <laughs> it's just, just another Resident Evil. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's, it's, I suppose it's almost like a, it's almost like going back in time in an IP or a franchise to then just branch off in another, which is which obviously happens. Like you know, other people have done that with other franchises. Like it wouldn't be the first time someone went back and went, do you know what? Just yeah, forget yeah. about all that shit that we did there. We're trying to fix what we what was broken. But so then they Kombat can actually kind of have did that, right? Sorry. Mortal Kombat kind of oh, did yeah. that, right? Where like yeah. MK, where MK9 right. was just called Mortal Kombat and it was like, we're just going to reset the timeline and yeah. sort of start again, basically. And then, then they it did, did it again with um, the latest one. What's it, 11? Yeah, they, they where... did a thing where like Mortal Kombat 9 started a new timeline, right? But then the other timeline didn't stop existing or something. And so now there are like, yeah, interweaving timelines and different people <laughs> from different versions of those games and they've all got kids and... Well, there's, I mean, they're almost, they're, they're, they're soft doing it with Modern Warfare. Like, you know, the way that they're kind of like, no, it's Faith, but oh, you know, and you wonder where that's going to go. Is that going to go on its own little, that didn't actually follow. And then... They, I don't think that was a, a soft relaunch at all. I think that was a completely full-on But I want to say it still change. fits, doesn't it? It still fits with the original um, events, doesn't it? Like, if you, you could almost <sighs> put the two together. Kind of. I, 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 <clears throat> funny enough, Jonesy, I think that what you're suggesting for Resident Evil is probably what they did for modern warfare where it's like they just took the same story beats in a way but different kind of like 
aspects of it and rejigged it and up- modernized it, updated it, etc. Yeah, yeah, to be fair, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they... And then you'd end up with two, like, concurrent uh, Resident Evil series where you've got Resident Evil 9, 10, 11 as you're going on in the future, but then you've also got, like, 5, 6, 7, which is a brand new thing, which is going... <laughs> and you they they diverge, and it's like... Um, what was the it's thing like they the, had the in- B-sides of gaming. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's almost like oh, a, yeah. they had with um, the whole Marvel thing when they said, oh, no. And you're like, what? hold on, what universe are we in? Are we even in the same place anymore? Have we now did we gone on a oh, man. goddamn yeah. tangent? So DC, DC will be doing that soon, right? Where like oh. it will have like the remnants of the old DCU, then James Gunn's new stuff, then the standalone stuff like Joker. Yeah, but, and- but, but it wasn't Fla- like the Flash film... The, the point where they just say, oh yeah, this is where we can kind of just get rid of the old yeah. shit and just focus on the new shit. That's the rumor, right? Is that they're going to use the Flash as the way to kind of like get rid of Gal Gadot and, and all of that lot and Henry Cavill and yeah. allow that stuff to breathe again. Oh, but this then, would be I such a good segue, but I'm going to have to like uh, go back to talking catch-up stuff and then we'll, 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 I'll make an excuse to come back round to this conversation. There we go. But um, Jamie, yeah. what else have you been playing? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah no, like, so Resi 4, <laughs> I, I think Resi 4 will, will, will hit the spot. I mean, that's like an all-time classic game and I think they're doing right by it from everything that I've seen in my brief 15 minutes. The, other thing I, the only other thing I'll mention is that... Um, I finished Resident Evil 4, That the, sorry, I finished the demo, I should say, and immediately yeah. was like, oh, should I play the demo again? Because that was quite fun. And I said, hang on a second, I'm really being an idiot here. I own Resident Evil Village, and I have let my fear <laughs> of playing that game stop me from doing so for, uh, oh, like, yeah, over a year, comfortably over a year at this point. And so um, I got over it, and I got over myself, and I started playing Resident Evil Village, aided by the uh, third-person uh, mode that they added in that DLC from the end of last year uh, because yeah. I find it a bit less scary and uh, and I'm getting through it um, it's nice. tough I have jumped um, <laughs> there are some like fundamentally I don't I don't did, find did it you quite... have one of those moments that the clutch of heart is that still out there does that still it's exist proper. Um, I mean, I mean, we've, I've got it. We've got it. Somewhere, we've yeah. got it. Yeah, we've got it. I've got it on a hard drive. Uh, sure. In case anyone didn't see it uh, in chat, or you know, who's listening later on, um, there's a great shot where we we're all playing Resident Evil. Which which Resident Evil was it? Was it Seven? Seven. Seven. Uh, and Jamie seven. jumped so hard he clutched his head and his heart at the same time, probably to make sure they were both still in his body. Um, and then he yeah. said he started tasting copper. I'm yeah, sure he had a yes. heart attack. Like no, so, something about that ta- that tasting copper yes. is like. The, the taste of copper was like uh, there were two separate occasions in that office building where I got a jumps or a fright so big that I tasted copper. One of them I cannot talk about on this podcast, but the other was Resident oh, Evil. Oh, that's an after, that's an after dark. I want to hear that story. Why can't you talk about it? Oh, because it, it, it involves people that we used to work with, and it's, it's a, and it's a, yeah, it's a filth story. Of course, it's a filth story. Oh, that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, think I, I, think I, guess, I think I can guess, but I, I'm not going to say. You probably guess. can, but like we don't need to. No, let's we not. need to elaborate on that anymore because Resident Evil Village hasn't given me a single fright as big as Resident Evil Seven did, and which is weird because there is a cat and mouse sequence in Resident Evil Village, um, featuring, of course, Lady Dimitrescu, but it's mm-hmm. over far quicker than I remember anything. In Resident like Resident Evil Seven, I remember just like bit, like even when I tried to play it on my own at times, like 
crouch walking through corridors and having to do those like VHS tapes and just not knowing where Jack Baker was. I think Resident Evil Village, did, I don't know if that's because there's something inherently less frightening about a nine foot tall vampire lady with claws, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everyone forever, yeah. no one was scared of her. Everyone wanted her to step on them and bang them senseless. So that's, yeah. Right. It's not and also, the same. Resident Evil Village is so ridiculous and so over yeah. the top that a lot of the would-be horror and tension of that game gets sucked out of it by its own protagonist and yeah. the ridiculous scenarios he finds himself in and the ridiculous, again, talking about Leon Kennedy, one-liners he comes up with. Like, like when you get to the point where like um, Ethan Winter's entire arm gets cut off at, like... Like just above the wrist, let's say two inches above the wrist, yeah. and he puts he like puts it back on, pours first aid liquid on it. This is in a cutscene, and it reattaches to the point where like his coat gets stitched back together. And you're like, what are we <laughs> what are we doing here, folks? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're right though, because like in in Resident Evil Seven, obviously it had like proper fantastical kind of elements, especially with the the mother being the fucking bug lady. But for the most part, like. It did feel fairly grounded. Like Jack Baker was just like this dude who, who just was like un, unrelenting, just kind of like the T two that like just kept kept yeah. coming after you, right? Um, and then the the sun had like all these traps and everything, and it was just like it just felt a lot more grounded, but yes. creepy. And did then it, it went because like, I remember kind of, like you could blow his face apart and like kill people and then they just came back zombie oh, like, style and it was it yeah, wasn't but, that but grounded. Like, but, but it's not it's not over the top though, which is what Jamie was saying. Like, like it's yeah, not yeah, like oh, this dude turns into a fucking werewolf and and there's a nine foot vampire lady and like it, it wasn't that. Like, it was a more ground more towards grounded than not. I bit, I, I almost feel like it's, you have zombie like what he's like zombie. So you can like blow his face off with a shotgun and then his face comes back and then he like still attacks you. And then you've got, yeah. you've got vampires and you've got whales. I almost feel like it's, it may, it feels more grounded just because it was that side of it. It was like the zombie side of it or whatever, rather than, I don't mm. necessarily think it is actually that. Yeah. I, I think you're going to a series like Resident Evil with zombies already a given. Yeah, and then exactly. as soon as you go further, then it's like, well, that's the weird, you yeah. know? But yeah. I kind of feel but like they can all occupy the same level of weird. Yeah, like, yeah. but like, it, it's, it's just different, though. Yeah, you know, like Village doesn't even really have traditional zombies. Like the most right. common fodder enemy in that game are lichens, which again is right, just okay. adds to that sort of otherworldly element. Like the last thing I did, which was the scariest thing of the game so far, was I went into a house uh, Beneviento, which is basically like where this weird doll maker kind of person lives. Oh yeah, that, okay, and that shit was creepy. Yeah, there's a, there's a, like a, I won't say spoil like what happens, but there's a sort of implied to be a hallucinogenic sequence um, involving a particular foe that it's, it's not cat and mouse in the same way like Baker or Demetrescar, but it is sort of like, stay away from this thing. Um, and that, <laughs> that, that kind of fucked me up at times. That was one of those. Again, I, I didn't clutch my heart and I didn't taste copper, but scary video game. Um, yeah, that's me though. Uh, CJ, we have been watching the same thing. Yes, Psych Odyssey. Yeah, Let but me... I think you finished it, right? I'm, I'm still kind of more than midway, but I'm getting there. I have finished it. Um, you are much more of a Psychonauts fan than me. You have been for a lot longer. Um, mm. I am keen uh, to know what your thoughts are so far. Just as a little background, let me just say for anyone who doesn't know, Psych Odyssey is the documentary series that Double Fine, uh, Double Fine's in-house 
um, production company, uh, two player productions, I believe they're called. Um, yeah. Record, have been recording stuff with them for years and years, uh, n- numerous different things. And Psychodicy covers the um, entirety of Psychonauts 2 and sort of coming to fruition being made uh, and is available from a month ago. I think it was made available on YouTube um, as a 32 part uh, yeah. documentary series. Um, so, yeah, no, Chris, hit, hit us. What are your thoughts so far? It's- it's it's good, man, but but like you got to be aware. It's, you, you're watching the sausage being made, right? Like um, in a lot of these episodes, at the very beginning, it says like, "Beware, there are spoilers for Psychonauts 2. Um, and I guess it's interesting because I'm coming at it from a different perspective as you guys, and I'm interested in kind of your perspective on it. But we'll only really find out once you actually play the game. But for me, it's very much a case of like, oh shit, yeah, I remember playing that sequence, and oh, okay, it's good to know the the iteration and the thought the thoughts sequence that they were going through to get there. Um, especially when things change so drastically, where you're like, oh, well, we, I could have been playing that version, but actually, oh. and sometimes you think to yourself like, oh, that version sounds sick. But you know that if they just couldn't get it to work in a way that felt good, like you almost have to kind of like, you, you give them that. You say, well, you, you are the fucking auteurs here. Like you, you're fucking doing the best job you can do. You know what's right. And it, it, it's not like I'd look back at those levels and say like, oh, I, I wish I could have played that. It's just, it's an interesting journey that you go along with them. Um, but lots of has been said about it, obviously being a, a nice kind of understanding of the game development process. But for me, I think... Especially, it's it's that that shining that spotlight on the creative process, which obviously we are all very well aware of, um, being in our positions. <laughs> but yeah, definitely, definitely been making me feel down uh, watching it. Mm. Actually, um, just I, I think you you nailed it, Jonesy, when in in our group chat we like it reminds us of the previous company that we all worked together. Like how that feeling of being this like tight knit unit within this like other segment where we've got other people influencing us and we're kind of trying to do our own thing. And yeah, it, it definitely made me nostalgic. Definitely kind of made me feel down a bit because uh, one of those things where you see these like incredible people do these incredible and incredibly creative things and being allowed to do them in such a way um, that you just kind of feel inadequate in yourself and the things that you do, at least for me. Um, you know, it's like I said, like sometimes I watch a movie and I'm like, that film was fucking amazing. And now I don't ever want to create content ever again. <laughs> it's kind of a same, kind of the same kind of feeling like <clears throat> yeah. just kind of, it's put me in a very weird headspace. Also a, a separate weird headspace. So I, I know it's sounding a lot of negativity here, um, but for good reason, I guess. The other negative headspace is because I'm, it's so expansive on what it's doing, I'm most definitely watching it at two times speed, and it is most definitely having an adverse effect on rewiring my brain and just being impatient in my life. It's just like, come on, come on, quicker, quicker, yes, get to the point. I want to hear, understand what you're saying, just speak quicker. Why are you talking so slow? It's like, if you ever watch, just go do this, just go watch like, Five things on YouTube, and they don't have to be long. They could be 10 minutes long each, but just make sure they're different creators and watch it at two times speed. And then go back to that first creator that you watched and watch it at one time speed, normal speed. Oh, it and sounds like, like they're speaking slowly. It does. It's like, no, it sounds like they have fucking brain damage, Alex <laughs> yeah. Jones. Yeah. It's, it's like, it, it sounds like they're slurring their words, like they are slow, they're dumb, they don't know what they're talking about, but it's not true. It's just it's I've rewired my brain like an idiot. Yeah. So, 
you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a lot of emotions coming off for me, but I'm enjoying it, I guess. I'm, I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. So, cause uh, yeah. I've, I've obviously watched it as well. Like I, I started watching it after you, but because I wasn't very well for a week. Mm. And when I'm not well, I just tend to like feel sorry for myself and just watch shitloads of shit stuff and not move. And so this case yeah. was the perfect thing. And I started watching it and was absolutely hooked. And like, so... I, I don't want to say I don't want to compare what we were doing to like what Double Fine have done. You know, we were when we were all time gaming and part of the all time family and working in those jobs. We were sort of like a, obviously it was a very different feel, but there's there was definitely an overlap in how I viewed how Double Fine worked, things they went through, the daily trials and tribulations, and how it was for us being like working on like at the time very big YouTube channels and um uh, and and sort of de- working with other people and how we had sort of like crazy parties and like sort of weird, you know, cool stuff was going on and you got to meet cool people and go to cool things. Um, I definitely had that part of it. No, as you've said, um, it made me want to do more stuff. It didn't put me off doing stuff. It made me want to do a lot more. The, the thing that I truly found absolutely amazing that I didn't know, I suppose I knew, but I had never appreciated was just how much goes into planning, making, and putting out like a game and it's it's not so this is the thing like i already i knew how to make games i've watched stuff before about how to make games i know you know i've done tutorials and i've tried making games i know all the steps but i think when you actually see people doing it on a daily basis and how long it takes them to do like one level and then the same level gets taken apart readers there's one level in that documentary um i think it's the uh i can't remember the guy's name the viking dude um uh, yeah helmet helmet his his level was redone like four <clears> or five <throat> times and like multiple teams had to had to do this level and and what strikes me about that is that there are levels that you get to see in that documentary series that no one will ever see in real world because they were yeah. they were envisaged they were planned they were they had all these ideas and these stories white they, boxed white boxed yeah so much of it was done but then they just they were like okay this doesn't work this is never happening and it almost makes me like lament what the stuff that was never made because i'm like oh i want to play that so badly one thing it definitely did yeah. to me was when i started playing psychonauts 2 again um, which i have done relatively recently um originally when i played psychonauts 2 i was like oh yeah this this game's cool i like what they've done but it looks kind of a bit old school um like it doesn't you know it, it doesn't look as amazing as i thought it would uh, maybe i won't like get too into this game this when i started playing it again i was like oh my god this game looks absolutely phenomenal i love it i, I can't wait to get into all these levels i i my appreciation for where the headspace of the developers was um has massively leveled up my appreciation for the game i think because rather than go into it with a sense of like oh it's just a game that they threw together and to do some platforming Ooh. You got to see how painstakingly they developed the ideas, the concepts, yeah. how they were going to do stuff, how the levels. Wait, so, were so work. did you did you jump into the game then? So I started playing it a while ago, like a, a couple months ago, um, and I think right, I okay. played it for about an hour. I didn't get that far in at all. Um, yeah, and then have I played about literally half an hour since? Is the only chance I've had. But just getting to walk around that hub section, like when you're at the um, uh, yeah. Psychonauts yeah. actual hub place. Now that because they talk about it so much and how complex it is and how you know they want to do this and they want to do that, then appreciating that again and you can actually see the the love and the care and the pain and the time that it's taken people to do it. And I what a phenomenal documentary series! Like yeah, absolutely yeah, loved it. Yeah, um, there was a dude in it who reminded me a bit of Jamie. I'm gonna say 
<laughs> yeah, I know exactly which, know exactly which oh, one you're Don't say James. <laughs> okay, I won't. Uh, and then I won't oh, mention you... who it is. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. No, but to, to, to this, in the sense of it, there was a cut, not like, you're, you weren't like him really, but there was a weird, so he started off like really due, because like you're saying, the thing about like all-time gaming and, and uh, all-time in general and those channels, the way that, because he starts out as like an associate and he's like a really well, young. He, he, his story is that he's hired as a level designer, but he's never made a 3D an, an associate. Le- yeah, he's an associate level designer. And he's ne- yeah. But he's never worked on a 3D game in his life before. No, a 3D platformer. He's never made 3D, 3D platformers. platformers. Right. Um, okay. And he goes from associate to being like pretty far, like pretty high, like a level designer who's who's great at doing this. And it was because when Chris and I used to work like um, for the company we were at, and then Jamie came in as this fresh-faced young, in, um, uh, you know, guy who hadn't done any of that stuff before we'd been doing we'd been around the block for a while and then jamie leveled up and became it was you know there's just the arc yeah. his arc jamie which was a little it, it was it was a nice arc i have an arc for you fellas which is going to be absolutely fucking perfect timing seeing as this is our first uh, live show but my battery's about to run out on my laptop so i'm gonna go and get my charger so i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to shoot off for a few minutes and you then i'll be back everyone's so, gonna get a little treat to your holding image before oh. you're away Oh no! Lovely. All right. This Wait. Might, no, can, does that, is he, is he going to make you leave the call, Chris? Because then our boxes are going to move around. No, no, I'm not going to leave the call. I'm not going to leave the call. Don't I'm just going to. I'm going to mute and I'm going to go get my thing and I'm going to do it right now. And it okay. and it starts now. See, I don't mind the the James comparison. I guess if it's based on sort of like the idea of someone coming in young and green and eventually slowly kind of being able to find their feet in a company. I I didn't relate to his. It, like, I guess it didn't relate to his character or his personality. No, no, much, you weren't. But... You weren't like him is, as a person. But it was. It was the way that he. To be, it was the way that he came in like uh, that, and then he became uh, like this well-rounded and uh, like mainstay yeah. of the whole team. Even though he was, which yeah, no, I was, I was like, it's a little bit like Jamie's arc when we used to work yeah. on uh, make YouTube videos because you and, came and in as a. I can't think what you. What did you start? I was a, a, a just the runner. Just I runner. just. Runner, but I was the one who went and bought the uh, went and bought the fruit in the morning and uh, uh, did all that kind of stuff. Made sure there was ink in the printer. Actually, oh, so um, okay, may uh, maybe you'd be more like is his name Asif, the cameraman. Oh um, yeah, the, the Asif story was was very cool. Um, that was really was... cool. I actually wanted to look yeah. up and see if he's still working in. So two player productions. Both Asif and due to it entirely behind the scenes have done a number of interviews um, about the documentary since it launched. So there's one on MinMax and there's one on NoClip, which are just uh, 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 yeah sit down interviews like an hour to two hours talking to Asif and to the other fellows from Two Player talking about the process of like, hey, how do you shoot for that long? Everything from how do you store that much you know uh, footage on, on, on like a server and stuff like that, and how do you approach editing a thing like that. So um yeah that that stuff's out there if you want to watch it um but as, as i'm story, back hey there back. he is um and Asim's story is also totally relatable because like the idea that like if if we were working there but like let's say we were working for two player productions and we were a cameraman or stuff like that all three of us i'm sure would absolutely pitch for amnesia Fortnite. and, oh, the, and the, yes and like yeah because that's everyone's dream it's such a cool idea and to like the idea that you know how again i don't know if this is spoilers or not but like how emotional asif is at the end of the first amnesia Fortnite because he was like 
this might be the only time I ever get to work on games. And obviously knowing where his story like might end up going. Yeah, um, like it, I, I won't awesome. ruin it for Chris, but yeah, no, there's um, there's that is a cool. His arc is actually very cool as well. Um, I, let me just uh, do a little bit of fan service because we had um, someone asking where they can actually see the documentary. It is free to watch if you go to uh, Double Fine's um, YouTube channel, Double Fine Prod. Uh, you can watch all 32 episodes and they vary from like some are 20 minutes, some are like an hour and a half. It just depends on um, uh, like the content of the episode is like self-contained. So there are 32 episodes in total. Yeah. Um, someone asked as well if it's anything like the Raising Kratos documentary, but I haven't seen that, so I can't comment. You haven't seen the Raising Kratos? No, I haven't um, it, 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 it is It is that, but if you take Raising Kratos and extrapolate it to 32 yeah. episodes, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah like exactly and and like a lot like you know like the intimacy of raising kratos like there's that one bit where um they're asking uh the two i remember one of them is called yumi yang but the two female like kind of producer leads the producers, about yeah yeah the producers about the impact it's had in their personal lives and yumi yang answers first and she's like well i'm lucky to have a very supportive family um and blah blah, blah. and it cuts to the other woman and she's Shannon something I think or Sharon something and she goes I'd rather not answer that question right now as she's tearing up and you're like Jesus Christ yeah. like yeah. D- double fine is like take that moment and and uh, and like double fine sometimes feels like it has one of those every episode yeah <laughs> it, it, like they're, they're not yeah, but that's what's nice about the well, it's not nice but that's what's good about the documentaries they don't shy away from like it, it really is warts and all for something that's done by partially an internal um, production to kind of put that lens on themselves and saying like, yeah, like this is us warts and all, like it's not perfect. Um, It's just refreshing is what it is. It's, it's such, such a good documentary. They, they they do a really good job of, if given that they are in house, they do do a really good job of, of making sure they ask tough questions and then get into it. Like they talk about crunch culture. They talk about um, uh, why people leave. They talk about why people are let go and they do delve into some of those sort of quite difficult topics. Um, Yeah. And it's one thing that did for me that is a bit of a service and I'm, I'm not excusing it at all, but there's a weird thing with crunch and I sometimes feel like, and it could, this could absolutely be the case in a lot of big companies is that crunch is um, something which is very top down and basically like a a way to abuse staff effectively. But we've all crunched in companies that we've worked, we've crunched damn hard, like, you know, in, in multiple ways where we were at E3 one year where Jamie and I were literally working every hour under the sun to get um to get videos out on lot on time the, the the nature of the crunch in what we do is different because we crunch for like brief periods of time to be yeah. fair like we've worked with people that channels where they crunch every week on a thursday and a friday because they have to get stuff ready for the weekend um it's not the same because it's not this extended period of you know like uh months and months or up to like a year of of, of working insane hours but it, it did make yeah. me feel a little bit more sympathetic towards the the higher ups who are who are trying to get an artistic thing done and made and dealing with everything that goes with that and how they try yeah, and it, manage that is is fucking hard. Yeah, it's complex, yeah. right? Because there's there's your staff you got to think of. There's also like any uh, stakeholders um, at play. There's deadlines. There's this, that, the other. There's a lot of pressure coming from everywhere. Um, but it's funny that you said like that. Obviously, yes, we have had our our crunch. But from that's from not to say crunch. It's not say crunch is good or okay. I'm just saying like it's, yeah, it's a yeah. thing that I think every industry has it to some degree in different ways. Mm. 
But like, I, I think you guys would probably agree that like watching this documentary kind of makes you self-reflect on the times that we had to go through crunch, etc. And yes, we had some serious times of crunch. We also had some serious lax days where we have like two-hour lunches, what have you. But like, you say we never had extended periods of crunch, but like, fuck, man, I, I remember like, especially maybe that last year of, of ATG, like, I, I fucking hell, we're, we're working like 10 to 10 every single day for like, that year right it was hard man it was hard trying to like turn around our fortunes in a way and and jamie you were you were there with me man like i was yeah it's weird like this is something the documentary gets into like different people respond to crunch in different ways and one of the things that um that companies do uh, sometimes intentionally and sometimes inadvertently and sometimes it's not even the company's fault it's the individual's fault but when you allow people to take some kind of ownership or care over a project, then they take responsibility upon themselves to do it, and they crunch because they want to. And that's something that's a struggle within um, Double Fine, where, like, you know, there are employees there that are like, no, this is my, the company I've worked at my whole life, this is my reputation, I want this game to be the best fucking game it is, so I'm going to work 14 hours a day, and you can't tell me I can't. And Tim Schafer's like, you're right, I can't tell you I can't. And we were in that situation with ATG, where it's like, we 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 wanted ATG to be good. We wanted ATG to be as best as it could. We wanted at that point in time, we wanted to bounce back as strong as it could. We also did have financial incentives, and so that money's the waters. But it's yeah. it's also that weird thing of like we worked in an industry where um, success was a like could be appraised unless you were growing something. When you something had something was established, continuing success could be appraised in like a re, like a relatively short term basis because the revenue you were generating was the revenue you were generating, right? Um, and video games are somewhat different, where it's like, no, we've only got enough money to develop this game for another year, and like we have no real opportunities to make more money in that time. What we're doing is asking people to trust that we're making something good, and the idea yeah, that you're just burning people, down, right? Yeah, and seeing some of those people looking down the barrel of the lens and being like. Um, we've got a year until this. I'm already crunching. We've got a year to finish this, and I don't know if it's enough time. That's a head fuck for me as someone that has never worked on the thing that's taken more than like a handful of weeks. You know? Yeah. Um, I tell you what. Like, if, if I, I remember yeah. a situation that really and it really did, mate. Not that it. Um, it's, it's not the same that happened in like documentary, but I always remember when we were already working overtime every day to get shit done and it felt like oh my god this is this is horrendous i can't be doing like overtime constantly every single day and then our md sat us down and said uh like realistically guys everyone needs to be working overtime every day otherwise i don't see the company like lasting and everyone looking around to each other and being like hold on does he not know that we fucking do this every day already (laughs) and just like your heart drops it's because not only are you working your ass off, you realize that there is no appreciation for the fact that you're doing it and that they think that you get there on time, leave on time and have all the, and it's just horrible. That's horrible. Because <laughs> one yeah. thing you, I think did come out of like this documentary for me was, and, and you've just mentioned it, Jamie, there's a, there is a weird thing where someone will say, um, you know, I, I, if you can't stop me from working a 14 hour day, if I want you to get something good out the door, which is absolutely, I, I, I completely understand that. Perspective. Like Jason Try mentions that in like almost all of his crunch articles, right? Is that like, yeah. Yeah. some people were so proud to work at Rockstar and so invested in making sure Rockstar continued to be Rockstar that they volunteered hundred hour weeks 
to make sure it happened. You know? Yes. But then yeah. the, there's also, and then you can say, well, but I'm not telling you that you have to do that. So you can just do your allotted hours. But yes. then there's also, there's almost like a, an implicit way of saying that means you don't care about getting a quality product out the door, which is, that's the, yeah. that's the entire problem right there is you, the whole point is that, you know, games yeah. should, that, or, or, should be factored. Or even just, even just the case of like, oh, well, you know, Jamie and Jonesy, you're both working on this project, but you're not, Jamie fucked off at six and Jonesy, you worked until eight. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I know who's really into this, you know, there's that yeah. way of looking at things. Or even if it's just the, between yourselves, it's, it could be a case of like Jamie leaving at six and saying like, fuck, you know what, actually, Jonesy's putting in two more hours. Um, I, I better fucking kick it up. And the manager's got yeah. nothing to do with it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, there's so many things at play. And like, I, I think for my part, like being reflective on it, like I, I feel really bad actually that we we did those like 12 hour days consistently I, I do i feel really really fucking bad about it but at the time it was like well this is normal we're all passionate about it um and you know i'm i'm i was like i'm not i'm not forcing anyone to do this but we're doing it and we're doing it together and it's like we're all in this together but at the time that's and, what had you know, to be done to get the thing made yeah you're but like it's almost that's like all, a but that's all, conclusion of that's what you're going to do but that's also the problem i i think and and like yeah. you know it's we weren't in a position like Double Fine where there's a, a finite amount of money that's ticking down along with the clock that's ticking down. We were almost like just ticking up to get the next product out and the next product out. And our only schedule was self-inflicted in a large amount of way. Um, you know, but I think another part of the problem is that there needs to be someone that kind of takes the gun and shoots themselves in the foot to get people to just stop. Do you know what I, I mean? Yeah, I, I think that is a weird thing because if you look at, for, I think Cloud Imperium Games and um, Star Citizen are, is, is a great example of what happens when creatives get to just run and run and run and run. And there is no, and there is no deadline. And you're just like, that is, that is her, like, can't just go on forever, yeah. can it? Sometimes you've got to put a date. You've got to have a date that you're getting yeah. something out. Yeah. But I mean, I, and, and sorry, Jamie, go on. I was going to say, I learned as a freelancer now, like when I had talked to people on my team, I'm like, I need a date. You need right. to tell me when you want to see this, otherwise you won't. Like I need it. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes and that might mean me to, like fucking working sixteen hours on the final day because I'm an absolute fuck up. Um, but that's and that's and I am. Uh, but I still, it's the only way it's going to get done. And sometimes, yeah. you, and the one thing you can always do if you have a date and you really, really need to, you can always delay if you really, really need to. And do you know someone who's delayed recently, guys? It is Warner Brothers and Rocksteady because Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has got its second delay. It was supposed to be coming oh. out uh, May 26th and it's now been pushed back um, till, we don't have a date, but it's been pushed back till later this year. Uh, Jason Schreier, um, reporting for Bloomberg, um, sort of got the scoop um, and said that the, a source who, who knows, who is um, someone in the know, uh, told him that the game is... Um, been pushed probably because of the lackluster reception that it had to the um, uh, the co-op gameplay that we got to see last week as part of the um, PlayStation State of Play. Um, surprised? Unsurprised? Mm. Uh, I, 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 I don't mind going first and just saying, um, <laughs> in a word, like, yes, I am surprised. Uh, not because I don't think this is necessary and not because I don't think, like, important work could be done depending on the time frame they give themselves or like there's any number of reasons why this could have happened and it's i don't know how to phrase it it's like i'm not surprised it's happened but yes i'm surprised it's happened 
in that, like, yeah. if you have asked I, me, I, I, I guess the lead I, up I, with I, everything yeah. they've got, right? Right. I, I just thought I just didn't think that they would bother. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't think this would happen. I guess is what I'm saying. I just I wouldn't have put my money where my mouth was on a, on a prediction like this if you'd asked me when we were recording last week's podcast. Yeah, stuff. Um, yeah, Chris. Before I get your input, can I give you a quote from mm. uh, Jason Schreier on Twitter? He said, "For what it's worth, a delay, delay like this is mainly for polish, not to overhaul the ge- uh, core gameplay that caused the backlash. Suicide Squad started off as a game as a service and will remain one, short of a complete reboot, which would require a much longer delay." Yeah, and I think I think that's a completely fair assessment. Um, but like like Jamie says, like I think I think the journey of the re- the release, the announcement of this game, and all the different like trailers that they've been having, and then for it to culminate in a state of play where it was one of two things of that state of play that were worth writing home about, and then a week later to just kind of turn around and say like, oh yeah, actually it's been delayed. I think Jamie's right. Like that's where the surprise comes in. Um, but I, I wonder if a part of this isn't a bit of panic in terms of not necessarily polish, but perception. So, you know, we covered it um, the last time when we were talking about the developer kind of rundown that they gave and they showed all the menus and the menus had like, oh, there's a social tab and a battle pass tab and a, and a this tab and a that tab. And I, I wonder if it's a case of saying, of them saying like, look, the game isn't what you think it is. And now we're going to rejig the parts, remachine it slightly so that it doesn't seem like it is what you think it is. I, I wonder if there's something like that going on. Because I, I always got the sense that what people were angry about the game wasn't necessarily a problem with the game. Right. Right? Well, I think there were two parts. Like, there was the part that you were talking about where you, like that, that image of the menu and all the tabs and the games as yeah. a service direction. But I think there was also an element that we touched on last week that some people were angry about the potentially generic nature of the gameplay and that it had been transformed into a sort of co-op third-person shooter. And like, here's a dude whose fucking name is Captain Boomerang and he's jumping around using the same assault rifle that Harley Quinn could have just picked right, up. But, but that's not going to be fixed in this amount of time. That's what makes it so fascinating though, right? Is that yeah. it's like we, we said on WhatsApp when, when we were chatting and Jason Trias and immediately afterwards, like six months, if that's what this is, isn't enough time to redo anything. And it, it might only just be enough time to tap into what you were talking about, Chris, which is like, reframe people's sort of like yeah. the the optics of this game and the parts of it you're supposedly pushing like you know we talked about in our group chat the possibility that they go silent for as long as they possibly can and when they come back they don't show they make sure explicitly to not show that menu anymore they don't talk about live service elements they don't talk about the battle pass they literally every you know trailer or gameplay preview whatever that is that's still to come focuses strictly on like the, the core narrative of the game or the you know, the, the, whatever sort of story style experience they've they've crafted, but even that, I don't know if that's enough. Like, the, so which makes this fascinating. That, so, do you yeah, think can I tell main... you what they need to do? Yeah, go go for yeah, it. Go, Joe. Let me just give you a quick. So, I was going to say, yeah. I was going to ask the question. Um, so, do you think because the state of play effectively confirmed that the game is going to be a live service game with a battle pass and an RPG style gear system? Do you think that? That being like, this is what this game is, is the thing that's made fans go, wait, what? And be Yeah, and it's like Jamie said, I think that's a part of it. That's like half that one side of the coin. And that's the one side of the coin that you're not going to fix in six months' time. 
yeah, that's the bones of this game. Like, like to Jamie's point, though, that seems really strange to me to say, hey, it is that. We can't fix that in six months. So I know what we're going to do. We just won't talk about it. And then when it comes out, we'll hope everyone kind of forgot buys it and then just accepts it when but it, but it it's kind of what, it's kind of what I said in the previous previous podcast right like at, at its core at least for me I don't have a problem with the battle pass I don't have a problem with RPG elements I don't have a, a problem with like uh with loot but what I do have a problem with is how certain games not necessarily this game but how certain games implement it like I said like I don't like a gear score Okay, so you can imagine that if they get a lot of pushback for a gear score, what they're going to do is they take gear score out, they keep those values to individual pieces of equipment, and it's just like, yeah, we'll just fucking figure it out yourself. You don't need everything to still down to one fucking number that you're consistently chasing. Like, that's an example, not saying that that's what they would do, but that's an example of something that you do. You go, you clean up the user interface, you maybe put less of an emphasis on the battle pass, maybe you merge some of those tabs, and, you know, you just present a different way of seeing the game. I think there's ways of having systems being presented in ways that rub people up the wrong way, even though they don't actually mind the system itself at its core. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So I, I, like, I think it's something like that personally, but who knows? Maybe yeah. it's just they, they just needed, they just wanted to add in ray tracing, and they're like, yeah, six months. Right, that's you the know, other I, element. Who fucking knows? That could, it could be that there's just, like, especially because the time between the state of, the pl- state of play and the delay was so short, it's like, did they really sit down, like someone opened up Twitter on their laptop, you know, put it on the big screen in the meeting room and said, yeah, we need to delay this game, and the and the, t- and the yeah. suits were like, yeah, agreed. Or is this like, hey, it turns out that, like, an, like Final Fantasy and Diablo and Street Fighter and all this shit is coming out, like, within a few weeks of us, and we'd actually just rather get a quieter slot. Yeah. And it turns out, hey, yeah. oh, we've heard on the grapevine that October's looking healthy, so see you there. Um, because yeah. this is an important game for our release. Oh, or, or could it be Warner Brothers that were like, you know, Hogwarts did so much that we d- don't need you in the same quarter. <laughs> we actually don't yeah, even exactly. want you in the yeah. same quarter. Yeah. Um, to add, it could be any of it. It could be anything. Although it does get a little bit more interesting just to uh, throw the cat amongst the pigeons um, because whilst we're still waiting for Warner Brothers to um, comment on Jason Schreier's Bloomberg article, uh, Jeff Grubb um, from Giant Bomb has said that he's been speaking to reliable sources and they've told him that the game may not arrive until next year and it will be a lot longer delay and that this is a delay ass delay, like this is a bigger delay than anyone is putting out there at the moment which if that is the case that suggests that it is not just like a timing thing it's not just a q4 q2 thing that there is like shit we have made a mistake we need to fix <laughs> this damn game yeah yeah but yeah even the maybe i'm a bit like i don't know for sure but even a year kind of still for me taps into what chris is saying which is that like a year is still far closer to tweaking than it is to overhauling. If you were kind of to, you know, have a spectrum with one on one and one on the other. Take Cyberpunk. We're like, there are fundamental flaws with the way that this game conceptualizes its gameplay loop. Right. And look how many fucking delays and back and forths and updates since release that they've had. And it's like, yeah, there's still a fucking wanted system that's not really fitting in with the game and the police system that's not really fitting in with the game like that stuff doesn't get changed it's, so, it's so hard to to do that stuff in in 
a, even a year is is not a long time to make those fundamental changes to that yeah, right. sort of systems. Like so the, so the joke we made in the group chat, sorry, Chris, was about Halo yeah. Infinite, which was delayed by an entire year and still came out, and it didn't have campaign co-op at launch. It didn't have a forge at launch. The multiplayer died in its ass because of a lack of support and because of lack of content. Like they weren't, they still weren't ready after that year-long delay, which itself was flabbergasting. So yeah. So to all of this, okay, my, my point, do you know what games need to do? They just need to announce six months before they plan to release. Okay? Oh, I guess you could still yeah. have delays. But, but like, I, I think that I what's happening mean. now is like, oh, let's announce our fucking game with a trailer that's like got fuck all to do with our game. And then a year later, we'll release another trailer that's like, again, doesn't show off our game. Isn't that what this yeah. was? This was them saying, like, yeah, the game is basically ready, so we're here to tell you the game's coming out in three months, and it still got delayed. It doesn't matter how yeah, no, no, but, but But what I'm saying is that, like, it's not, how long have we known about Suicide Squad? When, when was that first trailer? God, uh, it w- I think it was 20, uh, 2020. Right, okay. So what they, what they really should... Yeah. And the game okay. was announced so, released in 2022 as well. So it's, it's already had like a push in, from one year to another. Yeah, and look, I mean, d- delays are going to happen. But what I'm saying is like, if you, if you take it upon yourself to not fucking release information about your game while it's still fucking half-baked, half out no, of the but, oven. But, but, what I'm saying is this wasn't half-baked. And you, every single person on that team, they, look at the videos they filmed. This was a game that was 100% coming out in May and then something unprecedented yeah. happened. So it's, I'm saying it's still in, inevitable. Yeah, yeah it, it is inevitable, but it does. What I'm saying is it softens the blow because you're setting yourself up for failure by saying, "Yeah, our game, like fucking do all this, do all that." And and in my opinion, there is no reason for it because you can save so much face by shortening that release window and that, and that marketing cycle. Save yourself a bunch on marketing to begin with. Keep that marketing cycle really nice and simple. And if there's a delay, it doesn't feel this impactful. It really doesn't, in my opinion, right? Like, yeah. but you, you come up with a game and you're like, oh yeah, and then it's going to come out next year. And then next year rolls around and it's like, no, it's going to come out the year after. And then the year after you contractually obliged to do a fucking PlayStation state of play. And so you have to do it. And then the week later you say that like the, the marketing cycle of games is broken at the moment. And it, it, they just need to change it. And I think people will feel a lot better about any of these things that are happening. They need, they need to listen to Nintendo more and just like be like, oh, hey, guys, we've got a game. It's coming out tomorrow. And you're like, oh, yeah. oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, cool. I look yeah. forward to playing let, that. I mean, let, let Shadow Drop be the fucking uh, buzzword of, of next hey, year, please. I mean, Xbox pulled off my favorite Shadow Drop of the year so far. I mean, Hi-Fi Rush? Yeah, I, I oh, yeah, Metro yeah. Prime sounded cool, but yeah, Hi-Fi Rush, obviously. Yeah. But like always, I, I always go back to like to say that it can't be a success. You look at Hi-Fi Rush, fine. It's not like a 20 million user success, right? But it's, it's successful enough for what it is. And I always go back to Fallout 4. And okay, fine, it released. It was a buggy mess because it's a Bethesda game, but I still fucking loved it. But it was like six months. Like they announced it, they gave a release date, and they hit that release date. Should they have mm-hmm. played the game? Maybe. I mean, let's not let's not point fingers here. But um, you know, and and Fallout Four was the most successful Fallout. It had like only recently did it have like concurrent uh, player records broken. Like the the thing is, 
there is merit to doing it within a six-month window. But then my question is, if that was such a success, why have Bethesda become one of the most noteworthy examples of not learning that lesson? Yeah, well, when that they, I have when no answer for. When they announced Starfield and Elder Scrolls back-to-back at E3 2018. <laughs> it is mental. Because we were it there. We were at Jumper Jonesy. We were in, yeah. we were in yeah, LA. Yeah, I remember, man. Um, I remember. I think yeah, there is like, a problem. You I, want to I tell people what you're working. I do think there's a thing of you want to tell people what you're working on, and you want to give them something to look at and aim for and be excited about. And it must be so. Do you know what? It and is? make sure it doesn't get leaked. And make sure it doesn't get leaked. There's so yeah. many things you want to do and you want to hit. It must be, and and to keep things to yourself and to not talk about them. And you know, especially when you've got like five, six years of production ahead of you, it must be soul destroying to work on something and for it not to talk about it. partially as well because if you're inside that company if you're inside the industry you know there's potential that that game's never coming out and actually you could end up being in a situation whereby as far as people are concerned you're never working on anything ever because nothing you ever make if you had a few failed projects it could be like what you've been doing for the last 10 years and you're like oh, i can't talk yeah about like it. Fucking yeah. ghost ghost story games like, yeah, yeah right but but like it, it, it just like rather that right like okay you say leaks but a lot of the leaks that we see are from marketing materials. Yes. Some of the times, and so, uh, half the time, and say so the other half is like from build leaks. Right? Or uh, Amazon if you, putting up the if, fact that your game's going to be for sale at some point. Yeah, but that, that'll be part of the marketing right. strategy, yeah. right? Like sending it out to vendors, et cetera. Like you minimize so much by just doing that. I don't know why they don't do it. But hey, I'm, I'm not in fucking games marketing and I'm not in games production. So who the fuck knows? Well, I think the depressing thing about like, so, you know, if you're a fan of the Arkhamverse, if you're a fan of like, what's the Dead, depressing thing about suicide? Let me just tell you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it, it is, it sucks that if you were looking forward to this game, like we've been talking about maybe a six month release, uh, a delay release, it could even be longer, but we're in March now. So like six months, you're talking sort of September sort of time at best, it seems at this point. Um, but hey. I've got some good news because if this game doesn't come out in September in six months time, there is a game which is coming out in September because Starfield has been given a release date of September 6th. Um, obviously, it was supposed to be released. Go on, mate. Yeah, I was going to say, like, yes, it's good news, but you know this was a delay as well, right? Yes, but I'm just giving people a little, a little, ben- a little bonus to the fact that if this game, if Suicide Squad doesn't come out in September uh, and it's delayed even longer, uh, hopefully, ho- I'll say hopefully, they'll be able to play Starfield. Um, obviously, Starfield was supposed to drop. Was it? Was it 11th of November last year? Was the original 11, 11? Yeah, 11/11? that was their big kind of like thing. Yeah. It, it's it's the worst, most egreg- egregious kind of fucking example of this, right? Because they had a fucking release date trailer fucking go out and they're like mm. I, I don't even remember it was within the month wasn't it they were like yeah that's that's being canned yeah yeah that's- yeah it was very quick um and, and then, I, you uh, know yeah, the, sorry yeah. Chris, <laughs> no it's all right it's just mad i was gonna say that it was meant to come out in the first half of this year at some point um, yeah and because like we said that was a, that would have been a six month jump and now we're talking about a year again you know getting from 11 11 to september 6th that's that's nearly another year yeah, yeah. But then it, again, it's Which, the question yeah. of what the hell can you do in six months or a year? Like, it's not a lot, especially with an R, a massive space-trotting RPG from Bethesda. Like, is that enough time to do anything? Like, but then... I mean, it must be, yeah, otherwise they wouldn't delay like, it, right? Yeah, and, and also, like, I don't want Psych Odyssey to have to become a sort of point, point of <laughs> reference for every game development thing. But there, there are situations there where 
you know, again, I won't spoil what happened. People who are familiar with Double Fine will know what happens in that story, you know, in terms of ownership and where the money might or might not be coming from. But there's a point there where there's like, no, there's no wiggle room on this. We're at the point now where you your job is to cut levels, is to cut content, is to take this and get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. And then things change very quickly, and there are new people um, who are overseeing, you know, the the progress and the and the funding of Psychonauts 2 and all of a sudden it's like that thing you were going to cut eh, don't cut it anymore and like yeah. maybe that's what Starfield was like maybe it was like yeah this game was going to come out on 11, 11, 12 with half as many guns and half as many planets and two less yeah. alien races and three less quest lines and blow and like and so no, no horse armor but certainly no horse armor there's a, there's um, a weird thing because it's funny you bring up Psychodicy because one thing that did tell me was you can't change what a game is you can't take uh, a, a Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, and you cannot take it from a games as a service RPG, blah, 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 and completely transform it. But what you can do, like, again, I don't want to give anything away from like um, uh, Psych Odyssey, um, people haven't seen it yet. What you can do is actually put a shitload of stuff into a game or finish a shitload of stuff that you hadn't finished because all the mechanics are there. You just need to finish off modeling, artwork, uh, and you've got a big space where thing needs to go. And actually you can f finish thing and make it really good. Or you can even, I think like yeah, yeah. story writing and script writing was still going on until the very end of um, Psych Odyssey. And you can absolutely improve on like dialogue and lines and stuff like that and get your animations like dialed in. So I mean, yeah, maybe a year is a long time in video games. It's, it's weird because in some respects it's not, and in some respects I guess it is. So it makes it sort of an interesting yeah. thing. Um, there's also been confirmed that uh, on Sunday, June 11th, there's going to be a Starfield Direct live stream. Um, so we're actually going to get to see the game and see what it is all about yeah. in, in all its glory. Um, and Jonesy, a week later on uh, June 18th, they're gonna announce the delay to that game for <laughs> for, the, yeah. for the third time. It could happen. It could happen. Um, but that uh, puts it on the weekend between uh, the Summer Game Fest and E3 weekends, which is pretty cool. Because I think also another bit of news um, we had in sort of the past week was the Xbox have confirmed they won't have a presence at E3 proper, but they are. We know they are doing um, uh, a showcase um, on June 11th, yeah. so they're still going to be around. They're still yeah. going to be. Uh, their their video like, ones are always the best, man. Yeah. It sounds like the showcase and the Starfield Director are on like the same day as well. So you could see like a thing where like showcase leading into the Starfield Direct or something like that, which yeah. is which is cool. Um yeah, that's one of that with Redfall, right? Yeah. Um exactly. Yeah, they 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 they've done a lot that and it, it, it makes sense, right? Like you're gonna get a massive, massive audience for that showcase. So if you can, it's kind of like a leading television programming. Like if you can tell as many of them as possible, like, hey, stick around for half an hour of Starfield. Like that's, I know that's that, that's a nice bonus to have. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward definitely. to both those shows. It's just really funny. As, as we were reading this out, I suddenly remembered that I saw a tweet this past week and I completely forgot I should have looked it up before we got to this. There was somebody, I can't remember, who, I don't even remember who it was. Uh, tweeted out that the someone in the know had leaked that the next PlayStation State of Play is going to be absolutely epic and is going to be the like the biggest best State of Play they've ever had. And I'm like, I can't. It's going to have to be because they yeah. like. Where's the their where's their where's their first party stuff? The, the the my understanding of it is, and this is uh, from like a, again just sort of like Twitter stuff and insidery stuff, is that obviously 
they had uh, showcases in September for two years in a row and then didn't have one last September. Um, uh, and you remember the one that the year before was the one with like Spider-Man 2 and Wolverine and KOTOR remake yeah. and like, you know, they, they usually put quite a lot of in, into them. Um, and apparently the reason one didn't happen in September was because a lot of devs weren't ready. But we are now approaching the situation where apart from sort of like uh, deals they've made with other um, publishers, like with Square Enix on Final Fantasy 16 and Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2, which the actual name of which escapes me, um, like Sony don't have a lot on the docket. They've got Spider-Man 2, and then I think they're technically publishing that weird anime hack and slash game that I did again the name of which I forget every single fucking time. She wears very tight trousers and you can see her bum a lot. Um <laughs> uh so they, yeah, basically what I'm saying is like like yes, they we they didn't have a showcase for the first time in three years. Um they have got the PSVR 2 launch out of the way and now their actual lineup of first party exclusive games and what people are actually working on is like starting to look thin enough that it would make sense for Sony to come out and the rumor is probably like before June so some point in the next two two to two to three months but before sort of E3 yeah. season they'll come out and do one of their sort of big showcases and we'll get to see like oh here's what that Last of Us multiplayer thing actually looks like and um you know, here's what I don't know. Here's what Sucker Punch are working on, and here's actual gameplay of, of Spider-Man Two, and um, yeah, and of course, there's more still happening. Yeah, I thought. Do you remember when um, we got like Neil, I thought it got cancelled? No, do you remember at um, Neil went to uh, one of uh, Jeff Keeley's shows? Uh, yeah, Mr. <laughs> Doctor Uckman went to um, one of Keeley's shows, and they did like. They did a triple whammy, wasn't it? They did like a teaser for the TV show. They did a trailer for the Last of Us Part One remake, and they showed concept art from the multiplayer thing and said it's still oh, being made. Oh yes, no, you're right. Of course, I completely forgot they even did that. That sh- like shout the the Last of Us Part One. I like we call it Part One now. Last of Us multiplayer <laughs> was no word of a lie one of my favorite multiplayer experiences like I'd had in a long time when I played that. It was something so visceral and kick-ass about some moments you had in that game. If they can. If they can capture that and bring it up to like you know where it needs to be modern day, I will be so into that multiplayer. Like it, it's just a game that makes you remember specific moments from multiplayer matches. I, I love that when they can capture that and they can get you that excited. Um, yeah, no, really, really hope that. Um, that Hell yeah, brother! Really mm. I'm just looking through PlayStation's first party studios now and trying to like figure out like what there could be. Um, team at Team Asobi. The uh, Astro, Astro, yeah. Spider-Man, Astro Bot team, like they staffed up big time after after Playroom, but haven't um, shown what's next. Okay. Fire Sprite just released Horizon Called the Mountain. Gorilla were, of course, rumored to have two teams working on a not like a second one working on a non-Horizon project. Could Housemark have what, like? Wasn't, wasn't there a wasn't there a Horizon multiplayer? Yeah. Rumor? That, the two things that have leaked are like a Horizon multiplayer and a Horizon and a, I get this a Horizon Zero Dawn remaster slash remake leaked as well. Do you remember that? Christ, yeah. God. Like Housemark, is it too soon for a follow up to Returnal? Media Molecule haven't released anything since Dreams. Um, Bend haven't released anything since Days Gone, but are working on something. Blue Point obviously did Demon Souls, but are probably remaking something else. Insomniac, uh, like again, like the we talk about Spider-Man Two, but has Wolverine made progress? Naughty Dog are almost certainly not just working on Last of Us multiplayer. Um, yeah. 
Santa Monica will give them a pass. Oh, um, it could be so exciting. I'm not, I'm not going to get like, can, can, Is it time for a teaser for Ghost of Tsushima 2? Like, there's a lot that can happen. I, all of that. There's too much exciting stuff that could happen. I don't but is it, I don't is it like, though. is it like the, the showcase that they're going to have, like, the one they're going to have before that mid-year kind of E3 space, right? Surely they're not going to be too forward-looking because whatever they drop in that time around E3 is going to be the big one, I would imagine. Or if they just wait for another September. I, I don't know. But they, I, I, so far... I think they go earlier. Look at, when you look at... Are you talking about yeah. like how far projects are far of our projects? No, so, well, well, it's, more, it's more a question of like how many showcases are they going to have this year? Because if they have one, like, in this period from now to uh, June... Yep. Like, pre-three. Right? Pre and then... Yeah, pre-three. And then post-three. I would imagine that pre-three, they show um, further along things of stuff that they've announced. And post-three, they show off upcoming titles. That's how I'd imagine they do it. It's possible. I, yeah. It's hard to know. Really. If they, it's hard to know if they have that. two, that would be the way to do it for sure. But if yeah. they have one, like one thing I will say, like for as much as both Microsoft and Nintendo have flowed, flirted with that for the next hour, we're going to show you games that are coming out in the next six months. Kind of idea. Yeah. PlayStation traditionally with their showcases do not give a shit. Um, <laughs> and there are things from like the PS five um, price reveal showcase that are still like, not like not out. Like, yeah. do you remember Pragmata from Capcom? The weird astronaut Ooh, yeah. with the little girl and then fires a yeah. weird net around a satellite. Like, KOTOR remake was just a fucking logo when they showed that. Wolverine they they, was they are the worst for, that. like, yeah. um, just getting, like, anything they can say that's coming and just, like, trying to go, look what's coming! And it doesn't matter how fucking pie in the sky yeah. it is. They just want you, you to... See, that, that, that's, why I, that's why I had mad respect for Sean Layden. Because towards the end of the PlayStation 4's fucking lifestyle, do you remember at E3 they were like, "Yeah, we're just going to show you three fucking games, pictures," but they were yeah. big ones. It's yeah. like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that That's was cool. an E3 2018, right? Where it was uh, Death Stranding, Tsushima, Last of Us Two, and Spider Man. It was just like, yep, they're so all going to get, good. they're all going to get big slots, and that's basically yeah. our show. And that's, that's it. it. That's all they're going to show. And that, you know what? That was dope. That was, was super was sick. It was incredible. Um, but hey, look, we are, we've been going for a while. We're reaching the end of the show. And because of this new Ooh. format, because we are live, I would just like to take a few minutes to throw a few quick fire uh, questions, things people have raised from the chat. Mm. Um, if oh, you boys are up for lovely. it. Um, yeah, so, friend oh, yeah. of the show, Alex from Just Interesting, has said uh, hey. Bloodborne remake, or is it just there he is. thinking? fucking possible man like that is sony's ip um and they do have blue point which uh, is their first party now well, now they are their first party um uh, developers so yeah, never say never um yeah because uh, a lot of people are like yeah fuck i don't know man <laughs> it, it, it's tough like because it, it, it's been it's it's one of those things where something's been a rumor and so long enough that it's almost become a meme. Then you're tempted to just say it will never happen, and that's why it's sort of entered into that territory. Yeah. But you're absolutely right in that. Like Blue Point are there. Would I be a little bit disappointed to see Blue Point tackle two FromSoft uh, remakes back to back? Yeah, kind of. Especially considering rumors of like fucking everything from Metal Gear to you know whatever Castlevania, all the weird shit they hinted at when they put out that cryptic tweet. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like, 
And, and and also, for as much as there's that argument that, oh, surely if there's money on the table, a developer will grab it. But like we all know that games have, for a long time, not worked that way. And there are lots of bits of bars of money on lots of tables <laughs> around the industry um, that in some cases have been there for years, if not decades, that haven't been reached at. So I, I just don't know. I don't know where FromSoft are at with that and their interest in it. I don't know where Sony are at. Um, but you see, this, this is the funny thing, because... From what I understand, Sony outright owns the IP. I mean, yes, it is it is kind of like sticky and who owns what, where, why, and how. But I think that's why they managed to just get Bluepoint completely on board with Demon Soul's remake mm-hmm. because they they were able to do it, you know, from soft be damned in in a way. And it's funny, like I was I was hearing I was watching something on YouTube about someone saying, well, why don't Sony just release a PS5 patch for the existing Bloodborne uh, to bring right. it up to 60 FPS, etc. And what this person said, I can't remember who it was, but what this person said was effectively like they own the IP outright, they know how beloved it is and how much people are clamoring for it, that if they do anything for it, it should be in their mind, and they're quite informed in this space, in their mind saying, well, it's got to be of a Demon Souls remake caliber than just a PS5 patch. You got to make so. money on it, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a bit of that. Do you remember when like the PS5 launched and you know talking about PS5 patches? Lots of games were getting them, but there were different treatments for certain games. And the one I always remember was uh, of all that recent group of titles, ironically half of which we just mentioned. Spider Man got a brand new PS5 re-release. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima got a brand new PS5 re-release. Death yeah. Stranding got a brand new PS5 re-release. The Last of Us Part Two only ever got a patch that said, yes, this will run at 60 frames a second on the PS5. But I, I, they never went further than that. And there were rumors of like a Last of Us 2 director's cut for ages. And I want you wonder if it is that thing of like, yeah, like if we're going to do it, we'll like we'll make sure that we make money, that, that it's substantial enough that we can sell it as a new product and, yeah. and make sure we make money out of it. And maybe that's why they've avoided kind of like you know, um, sort of like temporarily or sort of like, you know, putting a plaster over a gaping open wound um, when it comes to people's uh, love and and desire for more Bloodborne content. But I don't know. That game never even came to PC, right? And that was another thing that like Bloodborne PC was apparently just an impossibility because of the way that game was made. So it seems like a particularly complicated beast. Yeah. Uh, Resistance Fall of Man needs a remake, says Urinator. Oh, I was not a fan. Oh, does it? Right, so I would say it doesn't. But if you're a fan, I can. That's the thing about remakes. Is the weird thing is everyone has games that they want to be remade. Like I have loads of shit games that I'm yeah. like, oh my god, I'd love to see a remake. But um, yeah, I I straddle between the line because sometimes I think I'd I'd just really like another entry. Like like as a perfect example, like a new kill zone would be pretty cool. Oh, like considering what what could a new kill zone look like in a new kind of Guerrilla Games, uh, PlayStation 5 kind of sensibility. Like, that could be that could be pretty totally. cool. I think that's you a know. great argument. I think that works perfectly for Resistance as well. Like, you know, I'd be interested to know for the Resistance remake kind of, like, gang, like, why would you want the first Resistance again over a new Resistance game? And maybe they wouldn't, and maybe it's just, but maybe a yeah. remake seems more plausible. But, yeah, I'm, I, don't, I don't know that Resistance needs to come back. Nor, 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 nor do I know that even though Insomniac are clearly capable of making 17 pieces of software simultaneously uh, at no cost to any of them in terms of quality um, I don't know if that's <laughs> one they need in their docket 
Um, wheeling back around to Starfield quickly, um, do you think mm. Microsoft uh, were the people that influenced their decision to delay? Or do you think it was Bethesda? Or do you think it was both? Or neither? With somebody. I mean, Microsoft have to do you think Microsoft it, right? effectively. Well, they, they allowed it, but do you think it was them saying, um, hey, guys, you need, if you need the time, so we're going to give it to you? Or do you think it was um, Bethesda saying, fuck, this game is not ready. Please give us more time. Mm. Um, it's, it's, actually, it's actually interesting because watching Psych Odyssey one thing that happened in that was Microsoft bought Double Fine during the course of that program the documentary and one thing that happened there was Microsoft went to um, Double Fine and said to them hey look we think you need some more time on this I know we gave you this date and that you were pushing really to get this date uh, how would you like another three months and they were like fuck yes please we would love that <laughs> so it seems like Microsoft as um, rather than a company that are uh, pushing, pushing, pushing to always get everything released necessarily there. They they are giving companies, in this one instance, obviously, uh, time to make sure they're happy with the product that they're pushing out yeah. there. So maybe yeah. it was a case that Microsoft said, look, you need, you want the time, we're going to give you that time because we want the um, a good game, the best game that you can put forward. So maybe it was a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. and Microsoft like have shown no aversion to like making even stranger or seemingly stranger decisions to like delay games at, at, at certain points. I mean, I, th- well, I can't remember, was it the, the Xbox one X or something like that? Um, where they like, they delayed, I, it must've been the one X yeah, where they delayed so many things, but I think this kind of happened to the series X as well. They delayed so many things and allowed so many things to step that they were essentially launching consoles with no, um, exclusive yeah. software, right? There was, I remember there was one console launched for Xbox where like, the only thing that was there at day one that could take advantage of it was the console version of PUBG. And you're a bit like, geez, like maybe you should have told a few more games that they had to stick to their release date. Like, you know, yeah. bugs That's be bad. Point. So, but I remember, um, I remember Phil Spencer when, when they were talking about the Microsoft acquisition and saying what it could mean. Well, no, maybe it was Bethesda actually. Um, saying what it, what it would mean for the devs that they're buying. And Phil Spencer was like, it just means that we are able to let those developers create the best version of the games that they want to. And what, what in my mind, what that meant was like, here's a bunch of money and here's a bunch of time and just make it as good as it can be. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the reason why we've seen seemingly such a drought in kind of like first party titles from Microsoft. Because yeah. they are really a case of saying, like, when these bang, these are going to fucking bang, so let's just spend money. But then again, like, you get the Halo Infinite situation, which kind of does muddy the, that way of thinking. It does. But I think your first point is absolutely, like, I think there are lots of games that back up the first argument you just made. And, like, the thing, the games that feel like they should have should have come out by now that would have made the uh, Microsoft and Xbox sort of first-party release date look a lot less barren. Like you talk about the fact that Hellblade Two was revealed alongside the reveal of the Series X at that Game Awards, whenever it was, or like how how many like there's been more like two Forza Horizons in a row because of how long Forza Motorsport is taking. Like they're clearly just allowing games to kind of do. We joked last week about how you know the story behind the scenes is that Fable has like barely just entered production and it's just a long way off. Um, so. There does clearly seem to be some patience on the part of Microsoft to make sure that the product that they release is the is the right one. Um, I hope you know it's not how long's a piece of rope. Like every game's got to come out eventually, but um, has it? Is Star Citizen ever coming out? 
Star Citizen is out, man. That is the product that they always intended to release because yeah. they know that people just sink money into it. So all right, as a as a last uh, as a last comment, um, Suicide Squad is basically going to be Overwatch meets Marvel Avengers. At some point, they'll release a battle royale mode. Damn, um, <laughs> this is a scary thought. I One thousand. I don't want to invoke another another. I don't want to invoke another less than stellar experience, but um, I am not going to lie. Watching the co op gameplay and seeing how some of that worked with regard to like not like the, the the second to second gameplay itself, but how it looked like it would feel to play. I couldn't help but think about how underwhelmed I was by uh, when Gotham Knights did their gameplay um, reveal, like showcase and it looked just a bit flat. Mm. It looked a bit like this yeah. game is not going to be fun. Yeah. And the way that uh, Suicide Squad killed the Justice League, like some of the aerial like floating around in the sky, just shooting, you know, bosses as, the, as Killer Shark or King Shark, whatever it's called. And yeah, like you said, I think it was Jamie said before, like how Captain Boomerang's just using an assault rifle and Harley Quinn's using an assault <laughs> rifle. And you're killing just like random mobby people with like... Helicopter with a purple glowing part on it. Everything, every, shoot the purple. Literally, do you know what, what was the game with the shoot the red, shoot the red, which Jamie was playing? Shoot the red thing. Oh, that was oh, the, the Division, Division 2, two. Division with a giant drone thing. We're like, Jamie... <laughs> Just shoot the red light. I, I mean, so angry this, at you is, this is going to be. It's going to be Jamie. Shoot the purple. Shoot the purple. And it's just like, oh yeah, everything big and gross and purple is a weak spot. Just shoot that. And that I'm like, that's not a rock steady game that I want to. That I'm excited to play. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. Arkham lived and died on the um, uh, Batman's um, hand to hand combat system. Without that, you've got a cool game with some fun ideas, but you haven't got a game which people talk about for years and years. And I'm worried. I, I don't think necessarily saying it's going to be Overwatch meets Marvel Avengers is is that wrong. It, it does bring up yeah. an interesting thing for me in like, what is happening with Overwatch 2? I've just seen that they've had a, a One Punch Man crossover. And I'm like, <laughs> this is what it's resorted to. Fortnite. Yeah, like, it's got to go Fortnite. Uh, yeah, Even like, Fortnite doesn't seem to be Fortnite anymore. That's the, the other thing. It's like, have you... I don't know if you see what Fortnite looks like now, but Fortnite doesn't look like Fortnite. <laughs> I know they took out Build because it's on Unreal Engine Five, right? So well, yeah, but also like the the traversal that they seem to have put into that yeah. update is like there are grind rails everywhere and oh. people doing like weird flips and shit. It's like, it's like Jet Set Radio, except it's Fortnite. Oh God, yeah. Sunset Overdrive comes to Fortnite. <laughs> it's what we funny. We talked about Sunset Overdrive in relation to Suicide Squad before because we said it looks like... Uh, yeah, yeah. So it was like, hey, how would you like to like jump in the air but have everything just slow down enough that you can still shoot these weird monsters that... Purple things. Seen, yeah, well, basically, yeah. For <laughs> orange, for purple, and you've, you call it a game. Um, well, with that, Sunset Overdrive, yeah. With that, I think it's time to um, bring to an end the first live... Uh, Hell yeah! Super show that we've done ever. Did we have any technical difficulties, Jonesy? I don't think we had any technical difficulties. I think everything. How many drop frames have we had from OBS? Does it say? Yeah, mine says zero, and the, the my connection says excellent connection to the live. Although there's constantly a little spinning wheel, so I'm worried that actually this whole time it's been it's been <laughs> out and glitch for everyone. I hope it hasn't been so bad. Uh, thank you everyone for joining. Thank you everyone for joining in the chat and um, for chatting and for being here and for um, enjoying with us. It was pretty wicked. Um, 
yeah, so um, hopefully we'll do more of these in the future. Hopefully I'll get Chris and Jamie to um, to stick with it and to not probably hopefully not watch it back and realize how many bugs and how shit it actually was and that I do and I won't fuck up next time and not include the audio. Um, uh, oh, it's all good, Jonesy. You did a great you, job, man. Yeah, Thank you. you. you yeah, honestly, like I always have, you know the highest of expectations for you in everything you do, because that's just your track record speaks for itself. But this has somehow exceeded those already lofty expectations. I thank, you for, for I, thank, I thank you for that, but I'm now going to call you out because Premier Technology said, does Jamie's webcam count as a technical difficulty? <laughs> I've ruined yes. it. Ja- Jamie's jizzcam was the only technical difficulty that we uh, that we had. Actually, um, yeah, in, in the world first, like Jamie's camera and my fucking laptop needing power. Those are the two technical difficulties. Jonesy yeah. was on point. So, so We've actually bet. ruined it for you. The, yeah, it, it's going to annoy you, um, Jamie and Chris, the number of times that uh, I've gone like, "Oh shit, my headphones have died. I've got to drive home, get a cable, come back, oh, yeah. plug them in, and just." cause some fucking havoc so um yeah no I'm, I'm glad that it all seems to go off without a hitch thank you everybody um and we will see you uh next week for another super show podcast see ya. boom see ya bye